situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. All right, welcome to another episode of Snafu. I'm your host, Rick. With me is Jeff. Howdy. Pat. What's up, guys? Dale. Hey, everybody. Hey, so we got a super secret special episode for you guys. Well, first, let me go back and say we have been on hiatus, not by choice. We've I've been super busy, so I haven't had a lot of time to edit. And then when go, I Rick. did have time, what was that? I said, way to go, Rick. Yeah, right. I know. Putting too much on my shoulders, apparently. Turned yourself into a pickle. Way to start out with the apology. <laughs> well, I'm apologizing because it was like a, over a month. And then when days. I actually went to go edit the episodes, it turns out our software was broken and all of our recordings were goofy. And then I couldn't publish the episodes. It sounds like I'm making a bunch of excuses, but it really legitimately was like our our fairly inexpensive software cost us you know, probably two or three weeks. So I, I will apologize for the delay. I'm glad to see that people are still paying attention and seeing that we're still a thing. And there was one person, I can't remember their name off the top of my head, that said, is this is Snafu over? And I want to address that right now and say that if we ever do decide to stop doing this, we will officially announce it so that people aren't like, I don't know, sitting on their thumbs waiting for us to actually be done. We're, we're snafu over and out at the end of every episode. Right, but that doesn't mean we're done. No, just, just that episode. We only right. finish one episode at a time. Right. Look, ladies and gentlemen, when we finish, you'll know we finished. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe we yeah. should start a, a podcast pool. Bets on how long this is going to last. Well, we pool? Sure. We can release one one every three years. I think we can continue this indefinitely. <laughs> no, we'll bet on ourselves and then just screw everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, if everyone wants to jump in on the pool, we'll be the first to quit. No. You know that people are going to throw money in just to get us to quit, right? Hey, I, I can be bought off. It would not be the first time <laughs> I've been paid to put clothes back on. I mean, stop a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Why do I do this? I... Pat, I'm with you. I don't know. You know, you know. Here's here's why. Here's why, Pat. And this is where I was going before I started that little apology tour. Was we get cool shit, right? Yeah, that is true. And it's pretty pretty rad what we just got. So I don't know how many other people have gotten what we just what we received with a little birdie sent in us mail. But Pat, why don't you tell us what you got? So out of nowhere. Out of are you nowhere. sure? Are, are you sure we want to blow the load this early? Shouldn't we like you know? Think about baseball and other things and, <laughs> and drag it out. Sure. Fine. All right. Let's talk about our hobby object. Yeah, let's do the hobby, hobby updates. Hobby we'll, updates. Get, we'll get back. We'll just linger and fester on the vine a little bit. Such a tease. We just, we're just exposing the shoulder. It's yet, called so foreplay. There's a difference. No, it's great. This is how, this is how everyone gets. This is like Amish foreplay. We showed them an ankle. This <laughs> <laughs> is like untied the shoelaces. We'll see how long we can drag this out. All right. So let's, let's talk about our uh, hobby updates. Um, I'm trying to remember who purchased this particular line of product, but we, uh, as we've mentioned in the last two episodes ago, technically, because I have one more to add it between the episode we just released and this one, we also received some more product from a different manufacturer that we hadn't had a chance to update because we actually hadn't gotten it before that last episode. So I don't know who got, who got GC mini stuff. 
I have some stuff. I think everyone got something. Yeah. Okay. We, we all got something. So GC Minis is uh, uh, run by Alan, I believe he's... Well, he said he's in the desert, so it's got to be like Phoenix or that kind of area. I think it's Arizona. So, uh, yeah, he, he reached out to us and, you know, said, hey, if you, you guys want to, you know, check my stuff out, you know, here, whatever, you know, you got your... Um, we got a tournament coming up, so he offered. He sent some gift certificates out to for the some of the prize support, and we kind of all looked at some of the stuff and go, "Hey, you know what? Some of this looks pretty cool. Let's uh, let's go ahead and buy some and and take a look at it." So we did. Thank you, Alan. We do we do appreciate that. And there's uh, I know there's still a couple things Dale and I've been looking at. His paint racks look pretty fantastic, but I haven't got that yet. His paint lights too, like that yeah, cool LED light sweet. thing that he's got so he's going at, on. That's cool. He's at I actually, gcmini.com, Gamecraft yeah, Miniatures. I actually made a second order and picked up um, one of the LED lights. Ooh, so. okay, nice. Received it yet? Yes, I have. Oh, okay, grad. All right. See, we're, we're used to like. Okay. Um, oh, we'll get through all the stuff. I think one of the one of the super high positives of Alan is that he's actually involved in the bolt action community. Which I think is, he, I think I don't know if it's his primary game, but he plays bolt action quite frequently. He just started playing bolt action this year, actually. I think oh, he okay. probably he picked it up right about the same time that I did, so six to eight months ago. Okay. Well, he's got quite the line of already fashioned bolt action terrain. Wait, yeah, I think uh, a lot of what he had in place before kind of fit in with um, with the game pretty well. Sure. Okay. Cool. Because I, I think he does. He does have a 15 millimeter line too, correct? And six millimeter. And a six oh, millimeter. and a six millimeter. Yeah. Holy cow, six millimeter. That's tiny. And three millimeter, 10, 15, 20. Okay. Anywhere in between. That's pretty easy to scale up once you have the, the drawings. Scale sci fi. It's so. one of his categories too. Hey, he's got a TIE Fighter. Landing pad. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> anyway, hey, Jeff, yeah. what did you there's, pick up? There's a lot of stuff. Um, there, I, picked, kind of, okay. I picked up a church. <clears throat> because none of us had a church yet, and I was like, I want to try a church out. So a I, bunch of I, heathens. Yeah, right? <laughs> we were. So, Jeff uh, saved us. Yeah, first church of snafu, non-denominational. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the kit, uh, we're, we're okay to throw down a little review of the kit, right? So yeah, I wasn't quite sure when I got it and opened it up. You know, it's, it's, it's not a ton of pieces, and I was like, oh, okay. But once I actually put it together, I was like, yeah, I, I'm down with this kit. It went together easy. Um, it's a, it's quite a bit larger than I was expecting, and that's not a bad thing. Like when you put it out that's on the table, she, she, yeah, <laughs> right? Thanks, Rick. Was <laughs> Someone was going to do it. Get there. I'm only going to throw so many <laughs> softballs here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it really dominates the edge of the table. Uh, I think the, uh, the bell tower on it might be, oh, what was it, like 14-ish inches tall? So, you know, you put that thing down, it really gives you an impressive look on the table. Um, I also picked up the optional stained glass window kit with it. So they're kind of uh, fairly nice for the size. Stained glass windows painted on a a laminate, kind of like an overhead uh, transparency, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So you cut those out and you can glue them in the window frames there. And I was very happy with it. Um, I really like the kit. I really like the stained glass. The only thing I wish it had was a floor. And yeah. that was my that was my pug agreeing with me. Sorry about that. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, it just needs a floor um, on the inside just to make it perfect. But otherwise, I was very happy with that kit. Yeah, you had that set up um, for one of the campaign games. 
last Thursday, and one of the 40K or a couple of the 40K guys walked by, and they stopped, they looked at the church, and they go, are those stained glass windows in there? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure are. Sure so, are. yeah. I, I picked up a little, a little LED light kit off Amazon, a little bar LED light to throw in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to work on diffusing the light a little bit so those, those stained glass will really glow from the inside. So it's it's super cool, I have to say. Yeah, the first light you had in there I thought worked worked all right too because um, the first time you brought it out, someone else had walked by and, and they're like, are those are those windows lit up? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> so Nice. Yeah, so super happy. Th- double thumbs up for me on that kit. It's pretty cool. But that's the only yeah. thing I got because, you know, I go big or go home. So. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us, you know, just are, have already gotten what we need at this stage, and it was just kind of, you know, last-minute grab and change some things around. Uh, he definitely had some more terrain that I was interested in, and after we get past Operation Snafu and start figuring out what I've got, plenty of time to do whatever some other things he's got some nice little the little houses and stuff he has are pretty cool too but i actually i got the uh not the church i went for the cathedral which was actually a destroyed cathedral so it's kind of a little cathedral in ruins it's got the flying buttresses coming out the side uh one thing that i noticed right away and i actually i emailed him about this is all of our kits came pre-punched so there yeah. wasn't the there wasn't the having to poke out and r- raw your fingernails on the you know and get the little the little uh, the little tits on the side that from poking those things out. So that was actually kind of cool. I mean, from unwrapping it and gluing it, it was up in twenty minutes. I speak for yourself, initially, <laughs> I I didn't like that what I ordered didn't come in the sheets like I'm used to used to getting. Um, that kind of threw me off a little bit. I didn't exactly know what to think. Uh, yeah, I had um, a couple of uh, Jeff's pieces ended up loose because of the the way the shrink wrapping worked out. So that was that was a little yeah. It it, it was different. Well, and that was that was what I was going to throw in there too. Is that it? My only concern, and it wasn't even anything super. Like I, I ended up having all my pieces, but you don't even know if you are missing a piece. Well, yours came in that butcher paper. Yeah. No, I know. We'll get to mine in a second. But the fact that you like, I don't know if all the pieces are here because, you know, like if you have the punch card. Sure. Like you can if there's a hole in it, you're missing. like, oh, it's missing. Like, you know, where this is like, it's just a bunch of loose pieces. It, it's such a minor qualm. And the fact of the, like what I got out of what I got from Alan was like super nice. So. Yeah. yeah it, it's, um, I, 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 I've, I've gone back and forth on whether I like it or I don't like it. The not having to punch, you know, because some of these kits I've put together, not, not from Allen or GC Mini, um, but some of these other places, you know, they're, you know, I put together a warehouse that was hundreds of pieces, and so there's no way you couldn't get that on the sheets. But this was the first product ever, I've ever received that wasn't still still in the sheet that had been cut. So it, it was, um, at first I'm like, I, I don't understand why this is the way it is. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like it, but it hasn't changed. It's changed from that to just, it's different. So it wasn't a bad thing in the end. Yeah. He, he says he does it to, to keep the, the smaller, the small cost down. Cause then he uses those, those, uh, vacant holes in the punches and stuff like that for his six millimeter sci-fi set and stuff like that. So it's probably easier to ship too. So, uh, could be. Well, it I the, reduces the first the thing. Go ahead, sorry, Pat. No, that's all right. So it reduces the weight. Another thing that was really cool is that I, you get used to these shipments from Europe, 
in Canada, and you know, I think we placed the order Sunday, and I had it Wednesday. So Monday, Wednesday, it was boom shipped. So that was kind of cool. Really yeah, quick turnaround nice. on that. So yeah, and anyway, to, just to wrap up, I think I'd also put uh, the cathedral on the Facebook. It went together pretty nice, really easy. It was large enough pieces that I was able to paint them individually, and I did one of those uh, those those uh, textured stone spray paint things just because I wanted kind of a stucco look on the church. So mm-hmm. I'd use that, put it together, and I think start to finish that thing was probably three hours. And it looks really good. I'm happy with it. And it's huge. 16 by something by, oh, my God, like 14 inches tall or something like that. Yeah. It's big. So, yeah, 16 by 9 by 12 inches tall. It it uh, it, it fills up some table space, and it <laughs> looks good. Yeah. So no. we, we haven't mentioned it yet, but Jeff, what does yours retail at the church? Uh, you know, I was just looking because I know we got a, a, a slight discount on ours. Um, I'm actually struggling to find it. I thought it I retailed just, around. I just 50 saw yours bucks. a second ago. Yours is forty six bucks. Yeah, there we go, forty six. And then six bucks for the stained glass, and mine is yeah, right. retail. It's currently listed at a ten percent discount. It's normally fifty five. It's listed at forty nine, and and has been ever since I've looked at the website. Yep. All right. Oh, you're and what's the footprint? What's the footprint of these buildings? Uh, best guess without sitting right in front of me, it's got to be um, probably ten to twelve wide by twelve to fourteen long. Okay. Mine's Maybe sixteen, 16 by long. nine. It's big. Yeah, it's big. Mine's sixteen right. by nine. Yours is very comparable. Actually, mine is probably just a little bit wider. No offense. I'm taking. Well, I've got you guys all blown out of the water. (laughs) I bought the biggest thing of all of these. So uh, I might be compensating for something somewhere. But uh, no, so I ended up picking up the ruined factory kit, which goes so. There's a couple of them, so. Yeah, no, so the one that I got was I did not get the Stalingrad one because that one I think is literally a 4x6 table. I think it's pretty damn close. It's ridiculously Well, huge. yours is pretty close as it is. Yeah, mine, so the one I got is 20, 29 inches by 11 inches by 9 inches tall. So it's like half a table, essentially. It's huge. Yeah. It, it's really nice. Um, I will echo what Dale said, though. I would be nice to have a base for this. I don't know how we'd make one. I mean, that's the, the it's sheer size makes it impossible to actually have a base for it, so... Yeah, that was Jeff's criticism. It's also mine. Oh, so, but I'll Jeff, get to mine sorry. when we get there. Mine came with a base. Yeah, that's probably because mine didn't come with a roof. But yours didn't come with a roof either, did it? No, mine came with no roof because it's a blown-out factory. Sure. So it's just like walls with a front facade, and it's got some rafters on one side. It's actually a really nice kit. I think he actually threw a couple extra rafters in. I'm not sure if that was an accident or not, but or oh, I, I might have been missing rafters. Shit, <laughs> are you serious? Uh, well, it looked like there's a couple pieces that could have been missing, but I don't know. Was yours a factory? No. Okay. Well, we'll have to chat. Not that it matters. They're already glued in. And <laughs> <laughs> Here, we we'll can talk, talk about how I might have used your uh, you know, this will be a, this will be a good <laughs> test of customer service. I think he'd probably be he'll, – he'll, he's a pretty uh, easygoing guy. I'm sure he can get some replacement well, parts. That Stalingrad one looks pretty cool. You should have got that one. Uh, that one is expensive. It looks – it looks massive. It's I wouldn't know how to transport box. that one. Come on. Right. I don't, know how, I don't know how you would transport it. I think you'd have to. You wouldn't be able to. Just, there's no way I'd, around it. I'd go it. by truck. Right. You'd have, to have, you'd have to rent a U-Haul to take that anywhere. <laughs> it's but a pretty good size, I, yes. It, 
is pretty big. It would make a really cool, like if you want, I've always wanted to make like an interior factory board. Like you're playing the whole game inside a factory because it's probably closer to, you know, close to scale. I don't know. But so I think that's, I think I picked some other stuff up. for a great scenario. Yeah, it would, it would be a really cool scenario. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what else I got. I know I got some other stuff, but I can't remember what I got now. I thought that was all you got. I don't remember I, anything else. Maybe it is. I don't know. I got frustrated the first night with it because I couldn't do it at the store because it was like. Because of the law. Yeah, because it was it was really big, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get this home while glue is setting. It just wasn't going to work, so I had to, like I had to stop because I'm like, I can't do this right now, which is kind of sad. But what I was going to say, while Pat was talking, when, we when Pat was talking about his stuff, I feel like one of the competitive advantages Alan has is that he's cutting bigger sheets of MDF than I've seen anyone else cut. Yeah, right. a lot of these shapes are just they're not going to fit on a standard sheet that we get from the others. Right. Like I feel like everyone's cutting eight and a half by eleven, and he's doing eleven by seventeen. It's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of something did, I've you noticed. You did not order anything else. It was just that. Okay, I thought I thought maybe I did. Didn't I? Don't remember. I had a bunch of stuff in the bin when I had brought it in to work on it. So we don't have anything listed, but this could be. No, I believe that that's probably all I got this time. Dale, how about you? So what did what did you get? Um, in the original order, I got the large country estate. I was looking for a building that I could fit onto my second board, um, kind of the uh, countryside with the hedgerows and et cetera, et cetera. And so I wanted, um, I wanted a, an impressive building that I could set off to the side that wouldn't dominate like the middle of the board, a la the Alamo or anything like that, just something on the, on the side, but would still look good and fit kind of the theme. So when we initially found out about it, we were looking through the site and I thought that that would fit. So I picked up the large country estate and then the shingle kit um, for the estate itself. Um, now, we've already mentioned that it, it doesn't come in any kind of a sheet or any kind of a packaging. He kind of had this kind of fitted shrink wrap around it. But every you know everything came. All the pieces were there. Um, this is a large two-story building with um, a one-story add-on coming out the side. What's interesting about this is that there's kind of um, these timbers that fit on the outside of the superstructure to kind of give it the detail. Um, so that's kind of where the detail comes in with this kit. Um, I have a couple of um, a couple of issues with it. Uh, the first one being, like we said, that um, it doesn't come with a base. And in bolt action, we play inside the building. So I felt like um, that was kind of a bit of a hindrance. And then the... Um, the roofs that fit onto it, I think they were made to actually be glued onto the structure to give it the stability. But again, because we play inside the buildings, I would have preferred that the, the kit itself had been constructed so that you can take the, rules, the roofs off and play inside. Um, there's easy fixes to each of these. I ended up, I've got all kinds of plastic card because of the other terrain that I'm building. And so I, I made a plastic card base um, for the estate house. Um, and so that will give it the support on the bottom and then allow me also to build the floor and paint the interior. And then with all the extra sheets of MDF that I do have, spare MDF, I cut the corners or edges off of those and then built rafters onto the, um, onto the roof pieces. So then I can actually pull them off and they keep their structure. Um, and you can actually place the minis inside the building. 
Now, we've already mentioned that Alan just started playing bolt action. And so I imagine that, you know, as he's, you know, developing training, that's, this is the kind of the cool thing. I don't know if the rest of you guys watch his, um, his YouTube channel, but, I um, I think three or four episodes ago, he's talking about stuff that he was working on and he pulled out this really nice, um, landing craft. I think it was a, a U.S. Marine landing craft he was working on and it looked huge. But what was interesting is, and Maybe I, he I just noticed had small hands. No, I don't think so, because when I put this country estate together, it feels like this scale is is it's better sized for bolt action than some of the other manufacturers that we've used. Like, you know, the doors look like they're proper sized doors. And so this landing craft, while it looked huge, I think actually is is proper sized, proper so, so scale. If you put a model next to the door, its, it's head isn't like flush with the top of the door. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. So, um, and, and like two episodes ago, was, he was talking about the the scale and what each means, and so it's it's interesting. Anyways, I got a, I, I get a kick out of his channel because he talks about he has a different point of view on gaming from the other side. You know, as a consumer on this end of it, you know, I I only think about this stuff, but as a distributor and developer, he has a unique view. And so um, I got the country estate really straightforward, came together easy. I made a plastic card base for it, and I've set the roof up so I can pull it off and put it back down. Um, the timber detail I really like on the outside. It's a pain in the butt to paint, though, because I've got to put all of the shading on the superstructure so that when I put the overlay on, it looks like it's faded in between you know, the panels and all this other kind of stuff. But anyways, I'm getting through that now. <laughs> <laughs> the the other the other criticism I have is the shingle kit that came with it. Um, it actually it fits fine, and there is enough shingles in it to cover all of the roof. And there's a there's a lot of surface area here. That was but that the was cut, an, an add on. That wasn't part of the kit. That was a it was an add on. The large so. country estate retails for forty four dollars, which I think is a good value, especially when you consider the the timber overlays and all the detail that that adds. Um, again, I would have loved for those other things to have been taken care of. I think it would have been a great value if the other things had been in place. Um, it's it's an okay value, in my opinion. The shingle kit, which is just a bunch of pre-cut gray board shingle strips that you overlay on top of the roof, um, was $33, which just is brutal as far as cost goes. When you consider... For you an know, adder, it's almost the cost of a building. Yes, it building is. Itself. Um, now I've, I've put all the shingles on and they look fantastic. And if I had to come up with, okay, if I had to design this on my own to kind of come up with something, you know, how much time would it take? And effectively a return on my time, is it worth it? I don't know, but the two kits together were $77 and you know, that's, that's kind of stretching the limit of what, of where the value's at. It, it's going to be great because it's going to fit my board perfectly and again, there are a lot of things about this that I like, but the shingles—it just was—it was—it was pretty brutal in that regard. I think I got like a special kind of shingle kit, so it looked great. It looked fantastic. Again, you know, I've picked up kits for less expense. Um, they didn't go together as easily, um, but they look almost as good. So it's one of those things that you kind of have to weigh on your own. I'm happy with it, um, and I'll definitely be picking up other things as we go along because i think there are some other kits that you just can't get anywhere else if you're looking through his his website um so you know i definitely would encourage people to go out and look um i did make a second order on my own i ordered one of his led the double wide led lamp desk lamp 
um, because right now I'm using two other lamps separately, one with a natural light bulb and another one with kind of a soft white that I position depending on everything. But when I'm painting, there's always shadows and stuff like that, so it can kind of be rough. So I, I gave this one a shot, and um, there's a couple of things with this that I'm not excited about, um, and there are some things that I'm really excited about. First of all, it's actually not suitable for terrain painting because <laughs> <It's> terrain... <laughs> you got a small area, I'm sure, to Exactly. Deal with. Yeah. So it's your terrain, you need a larger space. Um, and right now I'm just focusing on terrain. Well, maybe and he so, needs a, a terrain size uh, arc. Well, the trick the trick is is that what what's great about the arc that he has on this one is that it saturates the area with light. And so if your arc is bigger, you're going to need stronger lights and more of them, and that's going to up the cost. So then you could be looking at you know a lamp that's considerably more. And if you're not doing terrain all the time, I don't know if that makes any sense. Perhaps it could double as like a tanning bed or something. Well, it probably, if you were doing something that was going to be that big with terrain. Um, and so I was looking at different ways maybe to extend it or lift it, lift it up off of the, the surface. But the farther away from, from your work area is, the more the light diffuses. So it really, is, it, it really is just perfect for miniature painting, which is fine because I've got some minis coming up that I'm going to be painting. So, so it's going to be suitable. The only other thing that I've got is um, I'm going to have to rework my painting workstation because the adapter that he has on this, the power supply that you plug in, the cord itself is maybe three feet long. And so I'm going to have to run an outlet closer up to my desk so I can plug it in. And there's no switch. So it's just plug in, it's turns on. on, plug, take it out, you know, that's you it. one of those outlets that has a little switcher flipper on or thing. Right. So, you know, a couple of options there. So I'll, you know, I'll figure something out for my own workstation and it's going to work out fine. I think this is like 30, 38 bucks or something. Um, you know, and I was playing around with it earlier tonight and the light, the light is, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I'm actually excited about having the, the light for my workspace for my minis. Um, so, and then there are a number of other things that he does. So I think, I think it's cool because he not only does he just produce this stuff, he actually uses it and he takes feedback. And I'm excited because he is playing bolt action that he'll be able to come up with some really cool, interesting kits. So, um, but yeah, overall, maybe overall, we can get up here, get him up here for a game or something. Maybe. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I think. Let's see. He if, did. If you're ever, uh, he did ever in Minneapolis, uh, Alan, feel free to give us a shout out. We'll definitely play a game. I can't remember if um, if he hits Adepticon or not. I know he's talked about wanting to. Uh, I think he does. I think a, he. I think he does a booth there, or is planning to, because I think he. I I recollect remembering seeing some of his Game stuff. Craft at minis. Yeah, that's what it is. I saw some of his stuff. At okay, I thought so. I I know Adepticon. he he does a lot of stuff on the on the West Coast because he's right there. So. But um, yeah, overall. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff, and I'm definitely going going to be using it. If you haven't seen it, and my order came like two days after I I made the order. Yeah, the day you, after you get used to it. overseas shipping, and you get something domestic, you're like, "Holy crap! When did I actually order this? I thought I was just thinking about it." Still. Yeah, no kidding. It was like <laughs> you know Amazon Prime showing up at my door two hours later. It was that fast. So, um, yeah, good, really good stuff actually. So, like I said. It gives me a little bit more versatility. It, for me, I'm a miniature painter, and so I am looking forward to finding, getting, finally getting back to that. So I am excited about this lamp that 
that he's um, that he's produced. So should be great for photography too. Good deal. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, and then that's my update. So I'm going to finish that building soon. Um, and then I can, I've got the hedgerows or the bocage for the second board. Um, I did get the rest of my tanks finally. So everything's been ordered and I've received it. So I just have to get it painted. Yeah. It's like what? 30 days. Shh, quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, I'm going to have to send out so another email a, soon. A month and two days. Well, when I get that packet, we when I get that packet, uh, and send out to the players, I'll send out a reminder of how many days is out. So. Right on. All right. Cool. So now, now it's 35 minutes in or 25. I don't know how long, when we actually started this episode, but we're going to take a short break. I'm just kidding. We're not actually going to take a break. We're not going to tease you anymore. So the, so what about the campaign update? Oh, sure. Yeah. I forgot about the we're, campaign. We're going to tease, tease you. One more just time. More. Just, <laughs> just a tip. <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, so our own campaign update, we, uh, we've had, we haven't done one of these in a little while, have we? But it catches no. back up, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Where, so where, where did we leave off? Does anyone remember? Oh, we left off after Dunkirk. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yep. We, that sounds right. Actually, maybe we, we might've covered the initial stage of this. Anyway, this section of the campaign is catching that really awkward period of late 1940 uh, when the conflict is is spreading across the globe. But nobody really remembers any of these major battles except possibly the French. Uh, so what we started with was uh, a colonial action over in the Vietnam, Hanoi area uh, with the Japanese trying to take over, uh, excuse me, uh, French colonial holdings there. And so that battle entailed... <laughs> It's basically a capture the building in the center of the board, um, and you had your uh, your Vichy French forces defending the building, and your Axis attackers in this case trying that to. That was that was the hold till relieve sort of scenario, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes, yep. exactly. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, so the guys look like they had a good time with that. Nothing, nothing terribly fancy about that. If you were at Adepticon, it's very similar to one of those scenarios. That one's a lot more fun to be attacking with. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> especially with the medium howitzer. Especially hate, with the medium howitzer. I hate your sniping medium howitzer, Dale. <laughs> um, so the second the second game in this in this section was uh, based on Operation Catapult, and for those of you that aren't familiar with that, um, that is the uh, British knocking out the Vichy French fleet at uh, Mirz El Kabir in El- Algeria. Uh, and the uh, battle we played, since this isn't a naval game. Uh, more is the pity occasionally, but uh, was based around the uh, Allied forces attempting to knock out an early warning radar radio transmission station so that they could achieve complete surprise when they decided to attack the port. Not 100% historical, but I wanted to get this in there somewhere because it's really important to understand why, historically, the Free French had such a tough time recruiting in the very first stages uh, of the of the war after the fall of France. Because the world was attacking them? Yeah, because people that were their allies, you know, a month before blew up, you know, a sizable chunk of their Mediterranean fleet and killed, I think, something close to 3,000 French sailors. So, Actually, that decisive action kind of of told the Americas how dedicated uh, Britain was to actually dealing with this, this threat that was Germany. 
You know, I've heard that many times, and I'm going to be honest with you, I think that sounds suspiciously a lot like British spin. Um, there's a lot of British spin what? through history. Americans yeah. aren't the only one that do that? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, the British, we learned it from the British. I mean, you know, we used to be a colony of theirs as well. Well, um, until we got sick of their tea. Yeah. That's not what they said anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, I think it was a fun one. So it was the attacker, the attacking allies were restricted to all infantry choices. And, and the, the rule I gave them was if the guys can't push it or carry it, it can't come on the board. So that ruled out any vehicles, any transports, uh, any anything bigger than a, you know, any kind of howitzers, anything like that. So it had to be mortars, man pack, man packable. And the Axis had no restrictions uh, and tried to defend that radio communications tower, radar station, slash radar station. Um, I actually don't remember exactly how all the games went, but I feel like there wasn't a lot of success on the Allies' side. There wasn't. Ho, ho. I had plenty of success. One, yeah, one, one guy did well. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> I, I pinned out, what was the T-28? With the mortar, with the medium mortar, I pinned it out. Yeah, that's that. That not shouldn't even common. be possible. But that's hilarious. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, that's hilarious. Did you shoot it twice a turn? Well, I, I was running dual platoon. I did have two mortars, but I had one zero in right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I went dual platoon with two medium mortars and two snipers, and the rest just infantry with rifles, and just just ransacked. And I pinned out. I got I zeroed in. I zeroed in on his T28 right away, and so that was. The end of one turn, got pins, got the first order dice the next turn, got more pins, and yeah, I just just held them in check, and the rest just ended up mopping stuff up. So I did just find that campaign. Right. So. Yep. I think you were the only one. <laughs> yeah, Pat's result was not indicative of the rest of the games. No. No, and that, that would be my recollection as well. Um, so you know, we're we're staying relatively his. Eh, Somewhat historically accurate. Quasi-historical? Quasi-historically accurate here. It's a good learning experience. Yay, history. Yay, history. Yay, history. Well, I will say, since you've been doing these and, you know, putting up some links to stuff like that, I've made a point of reading and knowing what's kind of going about it, so that's kind of actually cool. Yeah. And I appreciate I'm that. Yeah. tricking everyone into learning history. God damn it, you jerk. Boo. I know, I you know. can't trust a lawyer. Never. Don't trust a guy with a history degree, either. Ooh, that's double whammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still know more about the old world in Warhammer than I do about this one. <laughs> it's early. So, you, so you know more. Yeah. Oh, you know more about a fictional world. That's great. <laughs> well, well done. Well done, Dale. Oh Lord. Uh, so our campaign cap, our subsection here, capping game, was a personal favorite of mine, uh, and that's reenacting Operation Menace, which is an attempted Allied invasion of the city of Dakar in French West Africa, present-day Senegal. Uh, and this one is particularly fun for me, not just because I've been to Dakar and Senegal and seen all these places firsthand, um, but also because it's my first chance to give the Allies uh, a hitting-the-beaches invasion feel, you know, in a game, uh, rather than running off the beach like they were at Dunkirk. So... This is going to, you know, those of you, spoiler alert, but no World War II history, there's going to be a few more practice attempts before, you know, Normandy and D-Day happen in 44. So, as a first run, this one was beautifully historically accurate in, in that it was a complete cluster flop for the Allies. Um, but essentially what we had were three boards uh, set up, one of them representing the city proper, one of them representing the industrial slash port district, 
and one of them representing the suburb of Rafisk, um, which is where an alternate landing site was attempted by the Allies. And how the game set up, uh, it was three Axis players and four Allied players. Each Everybody takes an 800-point list. The three Axis players pick a table. That's going to be where they're going to defend and deploy their entire army on their half of the board. And for the record, you guys did get to pick your table halves as well. Yes. Well, Granted, granted you all had to have the same side, but you right. still chose. We all chose, yeah. Yep, we all chose our half of the table, naturally, since we're the defenders. Um, then the allied players each picked a primary table and dedicated up uh, half of their army as a first wave. The rest, the other half of their army left in reserve. Now, that first wave is going to obviously come on the first turn. Any reserve roll of theirs, though, once they make the roll, can be dropped in the bag for any of the three tables. So they can drop units on the... If they're playing in Rafisk, they could drop a reserve unit over on the city table or the port table. So... It was so goddamn confusing. It was awesome. And the fourth Allied player had to wait... It was an eight-turn game. The fourth Allied player waited till turn three and then could drop his dice anywhere he felt like. I was pretty sure Kevin still had no idea what was going on after watching everything for three turns, too. Kind of. So if it, it, was, it, was a, it was a cluster bunkle, that's for sure. It was awesome. For to the, be fair, I think Kevin had his nose in his phone for quite a bit of those first couple rounds. <laughs> wow. Just, just saying. Don't text and play, kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's a war <laughs> it game. Take it well. seriously. Come on. Right? Right. So it's a four-on-three game points-wise. The Allies have an 800-point advantage, but they're having to fight against the defend, uh, people that have picked their defenses. Victory conditions are getting more order dice into the access half of the table. That's it. That's all you have to do. Eight turns long. That's all you have to do. No all you have to do. How many order dice were in your army, Jeff? A lot. Fourteen? Uh, Fifteen. At 800 points. <laughs> yep. <sighs> yeah, well, let's see. Three inexperienced squads got me a fourth inexperienced oh, squad right. for yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. I get a free yeah, artillery He finally piece. played that gambit. Well, I mean, that's the, if you're going to do it, now's the time. Uh, one free artillery piece, light, mind you. I can't take mediums in a defensive Vichy list, so it's two light artillery pieces. Uh, since I already had four inexperienced infantry squads, an inexperienced mortar was not out of place. Sure. Um, then a machine gun and a Burlette VU BD and a uh, Panhard 165-175 armored car. And historically accurate, mind you, I looked this one up, a Samoa S-35. Okay. So, you know, solid. No, come, was, come at was, me, bro. Looking fun. And my yeah, Senegalese, yeah. of course, because that's their home turf. Right. That made I, sense. I came at you, bro. Yeah, no doubt. You guys yeah. dedicated you, a lot you of resources Kevin. to those guys. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, well, uh, recap, uh, since the two guys that fought on that table, Ian and Eric, aren't on this podcast, they were over on the uh, city board. And between getting... Italy and Finland, for yeah, the record. For the record. Uh, Italy defense. No, no, not Italy. No, Germany. Germany. He was, was German. Germany. Ian Sorry, Germany. Yeah. yeah. Um, from what I could tell, the other Allied players gave Eric nothing. No, nothing. No help at all. Nothing. No support. No nothing. support. And Eric He's got Finland. He's going to turn on us anyway. Yeah. No wonder. Right. No wonder he, Finland turns. Yeah. Yeah. He got rolled we, right we, off the board. We gave him just cause. Yeah. If I were Eric, I would switch sides. Way to role-play, guys. Way to be a (laughs) jerk. (laughs) Yeah, I would switch sides after that debacle. Just because the Allies are shitty partners. Right? Yeah, like, dude, these Germans, they fight really well. Maybe we should fight for them. 
Well, we had Kevin, who was, you know, with the reinforcing, it was the Americans, you know, leave it to the Americans to come in eventually and do something. Kind of. So, Dale, how did, how did your table go? I was against Jesse. And you you and your pocket full of sixes. And um, it's, you know, it's all about when the sixes come up. So my timing was pretty good in that regard. Um, wow, that was very, very helpful. I started with ten dice, and at the end of the game, I had seven. And Jesse had two. And I had wiped out all the reinforcements that hit the table. And so. I, I had thrown him three order dice. A, a medium mortar and a platoon with a transport. Yeah, yeah, for the first time, transport. Yeah, for the first time ever, I used my ambush, the ambush side of one of my dice. <laughs> first time. And you well, hadn't I had erased um, those off your dice yet. I had um, I had a um, um, multi uh, medium machine gun team because I thought, well, I mean, they're going to be a nice defensive place, you know. So I dumped them in a building, and um, Pat brought his mortar on and. I got an ambush shot off before they got behind a building, and I... Um, Is that what happened? Yeah, I special damaged off the mortar, so... <laughs> they, Again, you, you exceptional damaged another unit of mine? Yeah, six to hit it, six to wound, and then six on the exceptional damage, so... Wow. Well, it's, yeah. it was a sniper, wasn't it? No. No, that was... Oh, the medium machine gun team is oh. not a sniper. <laughs> well, it was. It clearly <laughs> Apparently. was. Clearly, they so, put the special scope on theirs. You just got it in for any of my little special team units, don't you? Yeah, then I blew up your transports, yeah, and, really and then your team, and then your assaulting. Or no, it's just a regular unit, wasn't it? Yeah. Just yeah, ten, they got blown off the board. So. Yeah, it was interesting. Your your guys' reserve tactics weren't, I didn't fully understand them. Yeah, I was because just going to mention that You too. try looking at three tables and figuring out what's best to do. Well, what was interesting was Jesse... In the scope of about five minutes. And so um, we didn't keep the same uh, turns on each table. We just played along. But when we started rolling reserves on my table, uh, Jesse and I, we were playing pretty quickly. Um, He got one of his trucks um, to start in the bag at the start of your guys' turn too, didn't we? Yep. Oh, God, that was a terrible mistake. And so it was interesting. So then... Jesse basically swapped a transport with a full unit of his onto Pat's table, and then Pat swapped um, a transport with a unit onto Jesse's table. And so it couldn't really work out what they were doing. Well, and, and, and that, that came with the fact of, you know, hey, here's a thirty, here's a 10-second decision. Where do you want this? Uh, well, this is the kind of problem. Okay, I'll set it right here. You know, had he been playing that table, he would have known that was a terrible position to put it in. Same thing as I'm going over to his table trying to put my reinforcements down and not having seen the game unfold and seeing where everything's moving to and taking up positions and just making a snap decision. That was that was terrible. It's almost like um, different units under different commands have a difficult time coordinating. <laughs> that seems very strange when you put it that way. Yay, <laughs> history. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, in the end, it was um, it was a pretty brutal battle in, in my favor. Yeah, Pat, would you like to recap our table? Uh, well, somehow I, I won. smell I smell something, something cooking. Is your house burning down, or you have bacon? I'm just pre preluding what's about to happen here. Well, no, we we we, we kind of roasted the French a little solid. It took yeah. an awful lot. Jesse threw a resource in, which basically bought a turn. And then 
I don't know, Jesse seemed to think that he had Dale locked up because he had this magic tank of his that was going to do everything in the world to all of the Japanese troops that, well, I think there's a Facebook picture that said otherwise. And so he just like, no, no, I don't need him. Put all the Americans on the other table. And so Kevin was just like, okay, fine. Where do you want all my Americans? I'm like, put them on the table. Oh, no, I, I still got, um, I got a medium howitzer, mm-hmm. a medium mortar. Did you happen to exceptional damage that one off too? And, um, no, the, uh, no, they both survived. I did wipe out the inexperienced unit that came on, but that inexperienced okay. unit came in and gave me some, uh, you know, killed off some stuff. So. so he put on his, what is it, the engineer squad and a transport, the guys with the flamethrowers and the BARs. Mm-hmm. I think he, his steward landed on your table as Sherman. well. Stu- the Sherman. The Sherman. Yeah. The Sherman, uh, yeah, Sherman M4. I think it Very was M4. Effective. Yeah. Well, the Sherman M4 was the last thing from effective. It was like rubber bullet tank <laughs> war with... With the uh, was it the char you had, Jeff? No, the Samoa. Yeah, the Samoa. Sorry. Yeah, yes, they they said. Spoiler alert: They're going to spend five turns shooting at each other's sides, and <laughs> neither one almost. kills each it, other. Nothing. Eight inches away. Neither on, one on, kills each oh, other. Oh, sorry. On the yeah, upside, yours was at least putting pins on his, and it finally came down to he just blew an order check and reversed off and and took that unit off the table half. Hilarious, by the way. But his engineer <laughs> squad. Uh, now hold know. on. Give give the guys before they get barbecued. Give them their glory. Jesse rolls up his Russians, 12 of them, with SMGs, thinking he's cock of the walk here. Oh, God. And they usually hysterical. are. hysterical. Yeah, rolls regular, his, rolls regular. his I just looked at it and just shrugged. I, I, I couldn't do anything else. I'm like, okay. Rolled his truck right up by the trench, my full Senegalese unit. Campaign <laughs> unit, mind you. So they're they've got some upgrades they're, on them. They're beefed up a little bit. They're beefed up a little bit. Was hiding by. And he's like, okay, they're, my guys are in that truck. And I was like, okay. My order dice came out next. I charged the truck. With 14 in the bag, pretty pretty good chances. Pretty good chance of that, yeah. All his guys pile out to fight me. I kill them to a man, and they never get to strike back. Plus two. Plus two. Yeah. And consolidate back into the trench. <laughs> pretty extraordinary. <laughs> wow. I thought it was hilarious myself. Uh, which, of course, it, then... And caused... that's why the Russians never fought with the British during the actual war. Right? You're like yeah. ninjas. Yeah. When the two of you get close to each other, your effectiveness goes down. Yes. Uneasy alliance. Right, right. So that, that, of course, was very intimidating, which caused Kevin to bring his engineer squad in the half-track into almost an identical location. However, uh, my dice at already the end gone. of the turn. Yes. Uh, so he piles out with the engineers and barbecues my guys in the trench. And, there's, and there's, what do you do to a flamethrower at point blank? I can't do anything. I can't go down. I can't really get away from it. Just um, got to eat it. Just yeah. got to eat it. And he barbecues five of my guys off. ton of pins. But... They stick. They stick. They make the check nice. and stay. However, Unfortunately, next turn, next turn, first dice out of the bag. The American dice float to the top of the they bag really for some do. reason. They really I do. I mean, wow. he's got, like, what, four of them in there? I and think so. I had, oh. I had 10, you had 14, and the first two other dice were his. Yeah. He's Loaded like, what do you want time. me to do? I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? The Senegalese. Kill the freaking Senegalese. And he did. He did. And I, I can't blame him for that. They were a dead hard unit, and he had the right unit there to kill him. Yeah. So they barbecued those guys off, unfortunately, but uh, they caused you guys to commit a lot of resources to kill them, so I'll take it. They did the job. Substantial yeah, enough. They did enough, yep. But well, uh, and the rest and, of the, and, yeah, and after ahead. that was done, I, enough of my units advanced well enough and, and took on your artillery bunker. Yeah. With the, what'd you have in there? You had the two light howitzers, you had the machine gun, and... 
The mortar. The mortar, the mortar got snipered off. The machine gun ended up getting snipered off. But the, the howitzer stayed. Well, I had to charge the machine gun team. Oh, that's right. You had to charge the machine gun team. That's right. Yep. So, but they did, did, they did okay. That was, I mean, those were all in a, basically in a bunker there behind a trench line. All four of those things sitting there very nicely, perfectly nestled in for you. Yeah. And you had some lousy rolls to deal with the troops in front of you, too, a couple times. But Still all goes. in all, it came down to that, I think it was, a, was it an, an 8-5? No, it was an 8.5 until your tank and the other vehicle backed off and right. ended up being so a 6.5. Right, so then it ended up being a 6.5. And but the ones that backed off were American. Yeah, and, they were Americans. And, and, the, and the Russian. Well, the Russian backed off, and so did the American transport, too. Yep. Yeah, every, basically all the mobile vehicles, like, ran away. In one turn, it was... Hilarious. From your side, yes, I would say hilarious. I'd yeah. say disastrous on my side, but... Yeah. Then again, had there been a ninth or 10th turn, I was going to get wiped out. You weren't going to be there. No, I was getting wiped out. Yep. So, but if you're keeping score at home, that's two access wins and an allied win. So, two of three, two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf says, access wins. Pretty historically accurate, actually. Wait, Meatloaf was alive for that? Uh, Actually, I think his third song was still being played while that was going on. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Is that the third song? I think that was the one. Yes. That's the one. Okay. So, right, so you. wrapping up overview, uh, you'll hear Pat say this was a complete cluster flop of trying to keep things straight and knowing where to throw things and snap decisions. And secretly, I'm going to tell you, it's absolutely supposed to be coordination I, I for this operation. I noticed you jumped to the Axis stuff. side pretty quickly. Well, how many times do I get to play Vichy French actually defending as Vichy France? This will be about the last time. So, <laughs> well, I also happen to notice that for the scenario, you jumped to the Axis side pretty quickly. Yeah, because it's. Literally my home well, turf with the Senegalese. Okay. And we needed uh, we needed an Axis player too. So. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to sit this one out. I wasn't well, sure if I was going to be able to make well, it in time. Were the so. Russians still technically Axis at this point? Because the the game before I played against Jesse. Technically, yes, but so. that would have made uneven teams. There is that. Wait, uneven teams? I think they were uneven. Uneven teams others. in the wrong side's favor. The Allies are supposed to have the point advantage. Right. They're supposed to have an 800-point advantage, we even though... A player has... advantage. Player advantage. Yeah, player advantage. There we go. What do, what do we have in our club as far as actual Axis and Allies players currently right now? We're not split down the middle. I think we are, we're Axis heavy, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we've, we've changed over to being Axis heavy now. Yeah. Well... Uh, adding Jason in there, who is Italian. Who's playing the Italians, I should say. I don't yeah. know his actual... Well, so Jason and Ian both are, yeah. are Axis players. Axis and German, yep. yep. But yep. after this, I pretty soon after this, I'm going full ally. So so that's going to switch me to the allied column. Ian can play both sides. Kevin's new to the ally side. If Rocky would ever come back, he's allies. Well, he's got that new girlfriend. Well, yeah. She's not that new She won't anymore. be new forever. Eventually, right. you know, she'll just be the girlfriend and... We'll see him again. Uh, I, I think once they once they move in together after the first of the year, it'll probably change. Right. And, Maybe. And the school gets wrapped up. So. And, and theoretically, okay. Mike's going to ever put something together and paint it, and then he'll be a, a U.S. player. I think he will. He better. I yeah, think he will, got, too. He's got 34 days to, to, <laughs> well, to get something there. I know what he'll be doing that weekend. We're out of town. So yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Same as me. Oh Probably be joining you for some of it, unfortunately. I, I am done. 100% done with all my all four of my boards. Thank you. Yep. I have one that's playable, and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm just uh, I'm I'm just doing niceties and little extra upgrades and tidbits, just because 
I feel like I want to. So. Yep. I got three in the bag ready to go, and I'm just I'm just putting window dressing on them now. But they're Jeff, ready to thank play. you very much. Hmm. We appreciate it. Well, you know. I do. I appreciate it, considering well, I'm yeah. getting all my Well, yeah, Jeff and Pat, there. both, you guys have really done the heavy lifting, yeah. heavy lifting in regards to the to tables. So I'm super grateful, and, and they're really well done. So kudos to you guys. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. You guys did get a head start, though, I will say. Not oh, yeah, supporting the club so that we could play on sweet terrain and have more fun. So, and, and ironically enough, the terrain that we all started out with, the, none of that has actually made the cut for the the tournament. Yeah, mine either. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know how that goes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to really, if you want a really gimp table, I could do a fourth, but I I would be. It's not Candyland, but it's close. No, it's fine. And and I've already said I've kind of thrown the thrown thrown the towel in a little bit, and I'm going to reach out to some fellas that have some pretty nice tables. So we have some people that have offered, so I'll be able to take it. We'll, we'll be able to take advantage as a group. So it's a little known. So secret. Uh, Rick is better at brewing beer than building tables. <laughs> I don't I, think that's necessarily true. But the tables you build are freaking amazing. Also, well, and it's, uh, I mean, I probably bit off more than I could chew, especially, you know, previous things I've ever done. I wasn't running, I wasn't editing a podcast at that point. So things have changed a little bit and my work has definitely changed a lot. So, and your beer is excellent. Thanks. Yeah. No, I, I, no joke. I'm not, it's really good. Yeah. You should like open a brewery, quit your job, open a brewery. (laughs) Someday, maybe. Once he's done getting that second table. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Dude, make (laughs) a brewery table. Two birds with one stone. Brewery table. Brewery table. There you go. Uh, Two birds with one stone. Two words. Brewery table. Table. You can (laughs) make a little mock up of the brewery you want to build and it's a table. Sure, with monks around it. Uh, no, it's probably not like not like we do. All right, have Rick, to look do, up do we want to tease this just one more time and then go to break and make them wait three minutes to come back? We're jerks. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the wait. I We've untied the other shoelace. I don't even know if it is or not. I don't. I mean, I've been looking around at other podcasts lately, and I haven't seen anybody that has this. So I feel like we're pretty special. I, we, I feel special. Oh, oh, we're special. Whether or not we're actually special. Yeah, well, right. We might be that kind of special, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> My understanding <laughs> is that uh, no other podcast has been given this yet because the okay. LRDG2 hung it up. Yeah. And, and that's real that. sad for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we miss Brad. Hopefully it's, he's still listening to us. It, you know, maybe he'll. maybe we can get him to come back just his, to talk about our podcast. Really good. Well... No, his, his his program is really good. No, I enjoyed no, it, it is. No, it really is. No, I, I and I'm hopeful that Brad is going to come. Brad said he's going to come back before the first of the year with something else. I, I don't remember who was the first, but it's relatively soon in the future that he's coming back with something LRDG3? else. LRDG3? Uh, I think it'll be something completely different. <laughs> no, I think it'll be something completely different as far as I understand. It could be. Yeah, hopefully. But um, So do, do we just want to unzip the fly a little bit before we hit the break? Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. We'll we'll start pulling the gloves off the hands. So about two and a half weeks ago, I come home, and there's a package from Osprey Publishing sitting on the counter. And I'm like, you know, they they gave us some pretty good good prize support for the tournament. I'm like, is this something that they missed? Is this a retraction saying, hey, nope, we gave you too much. We want some of it back. Mm -hmm. Open it up and pops out this campaign book called The Road to Berlin. And I'm like, I don't even think I've heard of that one. And in it is a letter from Osprey saying, Hey, thought you might enjoy this advanced copy of it. Enjoy. 
look up in their website website and it's not scheduled to release until November 30th. If if dun, I understand dun, dun. correctly, when we looked at it, we couldn't even find when it was printing. Yeah, I I finally had to track it down through the actual Osprey by putting in the name of the road to Berlin. Not like upcoming stuff or whatever. I actually had to type in in their in their website search road to Berlin and it came up pre-order soon available November 30th release. And then just in the last week and a half or so, Warlord has announced that they are doing pre-orders for this. Yeah, super cool. So we're uh, we're gonna after the break here, we're gonna kind of go through some of the goodies in here and crack know, open that bad boy, and hopefully uh, <laughs> encourage you guys to uh, figure this is a good find. We liked it so far. Spoiler yeah. alert! Oh, it's pretty. It. Yeah, we'll be back in three minutes. That's very good. Поем взяли город Брянс, город весь прошли, И последней улицы название прочли. А название такое, право слово боевое, Минская улица по городу идет. Значит нам туда дорога, значит нам туда дорога, Минская улица на запад нас ведет. Поем взяли город Минск, город весь прошли, И последней улицы название почти. А название такое, право слово боевое, Брестская улица по городу идет. Значит нам туда дорога, значит нам туда дорога, Брестская улица, а запад нас ведет. Взяли город Брест, город весь прошли, И последней улицы название прочли. А название такое, право слово боевое, Берлинская улица по городу идет. Значит нам туда дорога, значит нам туда дорога, Берлинская улица победе нас ведет. All right, welcome back. Uh... That, I don't know what the music is today, because I don't know. Well, it's going to have to be something German, probably. Uh, so do we want to talk about our hobby updates? <laughs> Just kidding. Any <laughs> <laughs> more hobby updates? You're I painted a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. see my uh, tanks from here. Most of it was terrain. It was pretty good. Yeah. I uh, know. I painted, actually, I painted six vehicles in the last 48 hours, so. Oh, jeez. I think, I think uh, Dale has, too. I've been anyway, trees. <laughs> I was joking, and now we're actually going to do it. All right. Should have, should have put in a note not to go off topic here. <laughs> I missed that I didn't, make, I didn't make the agenda. I just mm. read it. Hey, I just <laughs> write this stuff. It's up to you guys to look at it. Sure. I'm looking at it right now. So, all right, back on topic. We got an awesome book from Osprey that Pat's gotten to read, finger through quite a bit. I've gotten to see some of. It's tabbed um, and highlighted, guys. This, this oh, jeez, he's already stuff. highlighted it. Oh, I have. Boy. 
Yeah, he fingered through it pretty heavily. So, <laughs> well, if, if anyone's you know seen me at a tournament and, and seen my rule book, my rule books end up getting tabbed and highlighted for quick reference. So apparently, this is Pat's book now. We'll have to figure. This that is the out, Snafu right? podcast book, but yeah, Pat right. read it. <laughs> but Pat read it, so it's going to have tabs and highlights. Yep. Well, so this is the the first. Well, well, there's one more book in between Sea Lion. Whatever the second one was called, Gigant. Gigant is no, what it was. It was like the giant gnat or whatever it was. Gigant. Was Gigant. Close. There we go. I was close too. Yep. And New um, Guinea came out after that. Sure. Which, and then which New Guinea introduced the Australian. Yep. The Australian Army and it was a lot the of the super sweet Australian Army. Super so sweet. I, I did get that book. It was it was pretty good, you know, but it didn't have a lot of stuff that you really related to the armies that we kind of play at the club. Uh, there's lots of Japanese stuff in there. Yeah, Jesus. Like I said, not a lot of armies that, that we play at the club. <laughs> that Pat plays, that Pat Are you telling me I, I don't I don't need the buff that, that the Japanese You're painting a that German book? army, for Christ's sake. You, you said these guys are just your play until, so... I don't know if I'll ever not be playing them. Well, it... it Never mind. I was gonna say at the rate at the rate you're painting stuff, that could very well be the case because you don't bring things in until you're fully painted. I believe that. I suppose that's true. But um, yeah, that that book is good for the Japanese and it's great for the Italians. So Italians, New Guinea. I'm sorry, Australians. There you go. That makes more sense. That's a weird one. I was very confused for a second there. I was like, <laughs> should I read this book? But Italians, somebody's Australians, doing it wrong. All made in Taiwan. <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe they'll have um, army wide special rules that generals can give to their troops. So in this book, we'll see. Sure, yeah. So spoiler alert: they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so mind, you're supposed to tease it out a little longer. I'm kind of sad about that because that was really cool what they did with the Japanese. Depending upon which general, quote unquote, your army is fighting under and his army doctrine, um, you would get like a kind of a cool benefit potentially. But I, that didn't pop up in this book. I'm, so. I'm sure that'll be in bolt action version three. Well, again, this, in this book, they you know they did this very similar along the same lines as they did with the Battle of Bulge campaign book. Is they they took a they took a window of history, and this one I believe comes basically the the fall of after Kursk. Mm, so this is like Kursk forward to the end of the war. This is where. The Russians are basically expelling the Germans from their territory and every other one they can think of, and the other little little partitions of troops within that. So this is a very much German-Russian heavy book. So pretty much almost well, not exclusively. There's not a historically. Exclusively, no. What's the time? What's the timeline we're looking at? So June of forty-three. Uh, August forty three is what they what they lend. So after Kursk, okay, I think they Kursk don't start so after Kursk. Okay, yep, they so start your, after Kursk. Your agenda says February forty three. So now, which one is it? For real, I'm just, I'm just looking at the book. It says in August forty three. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, following so this the is the push. Of Kursk, the Soviets unleashed their series of operations designated to throw the Germans out of the Soviet Union in August forty three. Operation word I can't begin to pronounce. Liberated Bagration. No. Vigration? Polkavodoka uh, Rumanyatsvis. Oh, of course. Yes, I That was easy. Yeah. I think we should be drinking vodka right now. So it's basically yeah. the Obviously, it's Ukraine. Operation Polkavodoka. Yes. Roll out the barrel. <laughs> 
<laughs> Again, our pronunciations continue to unimpress. Don't ever ask me to touch Russian, Jesus. No, I, no. Yeah, that's impossible. Sorry. I can get vodka right most days, but you know. I was gonna say, don't they don't they write in like Skrillic too? Uh, this doesn't actually have any Russian letters, but basically this right. is the Did you just the ask if they wrote in Skrillex? What, they, what the hell do they write in? <laughs> what is their language? Russian. Skrillex. No, no, no. They have a... <laughs> what is their... It's they write... It's all wubs. Man, I gotta get some, I gotta get some beats going now. It's all wubs. That's all they write in. It's probably close enough. Oh, my no. God. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, that just killed me. What... There's a. I'm trying to think of. But anyway, the the first section that they go through, just sidestepping all of that, <laughs> please, uh, is Operation Bagration. 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 Good, 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 good. Bagration. All right, sorry. Yes, was done by the Beach Boys. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. Okay. The liberation of Minsk was covered in this part. Minsk. Minsk. Uh, what else happened around that in that operation, Jeff? You, do you want to touch on that, or you, do you want to? Um, it's it's a it? pretty it's a pretty big flipping operation. I'm just just going to tell you right now. We, we so like what was the overall? The overall, goal. the overall is to crush Army Group Center, which is the German okay. army. Um, they they did a lot of work to distract Army Group South, and now that was around the oil fields, wasn't right. it? Okay. And then they made a massive push through the center. All right. Massive. So in this 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 particular the first section they have they they run three special scenarios which we'll we'll get to after cuz we kind of put uh, our two players our Russian or German player through the grinds on some of these and we'll touch on that after another break just to just to tease a little more for you. Right. So before we before we move on from that, um, we thought you know, it's it's quite common when um, the books go out a little early and, you know, some folks get to look at them and they give you some information. We wanted to do something a little bit differently other than, you know, make fools of ourselves, which isn't different at all. From That's what not we hard to do. do. That's pretty much par for the course around but here. But we wanted to, we actually wanted to try out, like, some of the scenarios a little bit to just kind of, you know, it's not necessarily regular bolt action, but to take advantage of, you know, a piece of these books that I guess traditionally we as a club might uh, ignore other than Jeff who probably you know goes through all that stuff and Pat who, who just enjoys reading um, and maybe try out <laughs> some of these scenarios to see how they play so that we can give you a little bit of feedback not just from you know how the how the book is put together the you know, the units the new units the flavor text but also the scenarios so we we actually did you know have um have a couple of guys play two scenarios that um, they'll talk about after this. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. That was cool. You guys can say my name. It's okay. Um, we had a German player. <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying his name gives power to him. Don't do it. Yes, don't, especially don't say it three times. Let's let's uh, let's let's wait till we hear how everything worked out uh, before oh, okay. we. And, and then uh, our Russian player Jesse. Everybody knows Jesse. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rick and Rick and Jesse yeah. played, so it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch that. Very fun. It was it was probably more fun to play it. Just gonna say. Well, the second one not so much, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> nice. It was still fun. Oh, it was so so, fun. so for for this particular segment, they they uh, come up with some special rules, and actually, this is kind of pretty common 
through all, all the different the operations and the, the sectors that they kind of go through is that each one has its own special rules just to kind of help give the flavor of the game. Um, and so this, I believe this is pretty much, this is the, uh, is it the Germans kind of in retreat coming, is, is that what's going on, Jeff? Is yes. That, or is that just, okay, so, so the Germans in retreat is kind yeah. of overwhelming. You can tell it better than I can. Go ahead. All right, so no, no worries, Pat. So, uh, so as a bit more of a, a general overview, um, if you know your history, the Germans pushed deep into Russia in 41, did some more pushing in 42, um, and started to really get stoppered up in 42. 43 sees the Russians. This is where, this is where you can really, Stalingrad is where, is kind of the high watermark, frankly, of the German push into Russia. But Bagration in this operation is where the Russians, you know, they go from the, the comical, they're always retreating to the, we're almost never going to retreat again, and we're going to put the iron boot on and start kicking some serious ass. And they do. Uh, it's kind of beautiful coordination that just didn't exist in the first half of the war for them, where everybody, the armor, the infantry, the air support, the communications, the signals guys, everybody's actually working together operationally, and it's a well-oiled machine that pushes and pushes and pushes the German army back. Just it's it's um frankly kind of amazing to read just how far they could push the German army at that point. So some of the special rules they've adopted for these is um, so the reserves, the German player is not allowed to use reserves unless it's mandatory by the scenario, meaning all their crap has to start on the board. Right. Uh, oh, I like that. That's cool. The preparatory yeah. bombardment, um, the Soviet player gets to add a plus one to their role for determining bombardments, which means they're not going to have that stupid deviation thing that I seem to be renowned <laughs> for getting. Um, also, the for the air support, um, the German player uh, should not include a forward air observer because the Luftwaffe was wafting. Effectively non-existent. Yep, and the Soviet player gets a plus one to their die roll to determine the type of aircraft. Because Ouch. the Russian Air Force was very present. Uh, on the rise, <laughs> pretty serious. Uh, bunkers and buildings, you know, due to these having been taken several times over, instead of having the typical uh, minus four for cover, they only have a minus three. And the HE bunker will collapse on a ten or more instead of a twelve or more. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, so that's, you know, again, these have been taken over several times been weakened. over. Yeah. And, it, and it sucks when you don't get time to build a nice reinforced bunker. You're kind of improvising right. parts. You want the concrete to, you know, be able to set for, you know, 20, 30 days yeah. to really get it hardened. But when there's a bomb dropping on it, it doesn't set very well. You got it. <laughs> so, and then they add minefields. Um, if Germans are, are the defenders, they, you know, depending on the scenario, they kind of introduce minefields in, which is which has been... They've had minefields all the way back since uh, they did the uh, the other theater books. Duel in the Sun, I think, is their first appearance. But yeah. I was going to say, did they... Duel in the Sun, they... they also did it in the, the Normandy Landing, Normandy to Berlin, Berlin, I think, yeah. was the other Bolt, one. Battle of the Bulge okay. has minefields. Battle of yep. the Bulge has them as well. Um, they, add, they add the mine roller, the Soviet PT-34 mine roller vehicle. They add that option for actually clearing mines. Yep. Uh, the really big thing they do in some of these scenarios is they they, uh, they bring in this unequal struggle thing. So they have one side outnumbering the other by three to one. And depending on the scenario, it's either the Germans are overwhelming in the final positions and have to do it, and so the Russians have a third of the forces, or the other scenarios, which is then the other foot, 
where the Russians are just blazing over the rest of the German positions and they're outnumbering them three to one. And so they kind of they kind of throw you know because you know if you want to play historical and get your ass kicked, woohoo! Sounds like fun. Great, I played a historical game, but they they kind of throw some other things in there to kind of even those out for being such unequal points. Uh, you know, they give you increased victory points if you're on the disadvantage side of it. Uh, they throw in reduced visibility. Uh, the fun one I saw that they throw in supply issues. So every time a side fires or moves a vehicle, they have to roll a dice, and it could run out of ammo, it could run out of fuel, and it has to you know receive a down order in order to resupply itself to act act normally in it. So they kind of give a little offsetting game mechanic in it just to... You know, not just to be historically rolled, which I think that's kind of cool. It gives it a little more flavor than Absolutely, it would otherwise yeah. be. Yeah. So that that's kind of the special rules they go over. Uh, I thought this was really fun. They introduced a special Soviet sniper, Chika. <laughs> Rosa Shanina? Shanana? She's famous. That's pretty bad. Shanina. We'll go with Rosa Shanina. So she's a 75-point veteran. She's a sniper, so she takes your sniper slot. Uh, <laughs> I love this rule. Yes. So 75 points, veteran. Obviously a two-man squad with a team weapon, sniper. But she's got the special rule of score a doublet. So this ability to take multiple rapid shots allow her to fire two shots at the same unit using the sniper rule when given a fire order, including from ambush. She's also stubborn. That's pretty Brilliant. slick. Pretty awesome. Pretty freaking awesome. That's pretty slick. And, you know, I, I kind of looked around and I'm like, okay, so what are the rules for including special characters in bolt action? And I couldn't find any. It, she just takes your sniper slot. and I mean, so veteran sniper is what, 65 points? Um, it's, Does that sound about right? Yeah. yeah generally, uh, the rule on it has always been the old, uh, the old Warhammer rule where you're supposed to talk to your opponent about it. Right. Oh. So right. approval. They're not like part of a... Um, a reinforced platoon selector, I think. Is it scenario-specific or theater-specific? Theater-specific, usually. I haven't seen a theater that says include these special characters for anything. And that, you know, they've also had special characters in Battle of Bulge, too. Yep. And I didn't see theater selectors in there either, because I kind of wanted to research this a little bit. Even uh, Kelly's Heroes and the Oddballs and stuff like that, all who have a whole litany of special rules, but don't say what theater select you can play them in so it's it's got to be kind of a you know to coin the phrase the beer and pretzels game that you can include those so i, I just guess. came up with an idea for snafu 2 the electric boogaloo what oh god he's already he's <laughs> next, already 13 next months in the future. 13 months in the future <laughs> i like it uh, I, I i say we no we're not going to write it down yet you're just giving me. ideas you're killing me all right all right all right, all right. anyway all right, so they also introduced some new theater selectors, uh, which in turn uh, brings in some additional units for those theater selectors, which they use throughout the book. Uh, they got theater selectors for both the German and the Russians in this particular segment. And just because we, we like additional units, and now mind you, nowhere are any of these added to reinforced platoons. So they're really kind of just capsulated in this campaign book sure now there are tournaments that allow theater selectors in which case this would be an available theater selector if you're playing mm -hmm. the full theater selector i would sure. think that would be true yep but uh you know uh i think there's there's been a 
There's been a couple. I know Battle of Bulge when they talked about uh, one of the particular glider units in the U.S. Army, the Pathfinders, specifically stated this is added to the reinforced platoon list. Sure. And yeah. That's no. Really, the only example I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. I I feel like that. Yeah. There's there's no. I would agree that there's very little that would say that these are getting added to a reinforced platoon, unless. Warlord decided to say that for some reason. I think these a lot of these units only work in these in theaters. the campaign, which yeah is you know as you and Jesse had found out, kind of playing these these flavorful things is kind of cool and kind of fun, and it works and it works. Yeah, I feel like some of these could have been taken advantage of in a normal, normal, more normal setting. So the the so in this. Uh, Operation Bagration, they're, they add, add five to the German side of the scale. God help me with my pronunciation of these, but uh, yeah. the Schriegerungs, the, they're basically the security battalions, <laughs> the people who handled prisoner of wars. So That sounds nothing like what, what I would thought they were. Really? Go ahead, give yeah. it a shot. Hold on, I gotta, I'm pulling it up. Very exciting. <laughs> this makes for good radio. It does. Sorry, you you may have texted me some pictures. Because uh, I was trying to get you and Jesse to set up a. Yeah, you were like you were you were like super. Ep- yeah, you were giving me the information I needed at the moment. Yeah, so, so I could make my list. Uh, I thought it was supposed to stand over your shoulder while you deleted that. I did. Okay. And then uh, no. While you pull it up now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, hold on a second. I'll delete this. So part, while so. while you look it up, we'll we'll continue on. So this is. Only available in experience. Five guys with rifles. You can add up to five more. NCO can have a submachine gun. One man can have an LMG. One man can have a Panzerfaust. And they're green. Not a yeah. whole lot of hoo-ha, but, you know, what else do you expect out of security guards? You know, they don't have any segues, so they're not mall security. Uh-huh. So the other squad they add in, Feldgrendemir squad, military police, basically. Anyone who actually speaks German is just like rolling over at this point. Yes, the Feldgrindemir. Grindemir, that's probably right. These guys are these guys are where it's at. These guys are pretty cool. Uh, then the the Feldjäger Corp squad after them, which are just basically a veteran version of them. So the Feldgrindemir. Well, you're missing the most important part, though. Are regular. Well, important. I'm, I'm... Oh, you'll get there first. All right, yeah. patience. So 50 points regular, five men with an NCO, pretty standard rifles. You can add up to five more. NCO and four, so up to half the squad can get SMGs. Two can have Panzerfaust, kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. The entire squad can be mounted on motorcycles for five points each. But what Rick was kind of alluding to... Yeah, leave that, their special rule off and we'll go to the other one and come back to it. Because I think the, the, the other part of the unit is... Okay, the, you, the, the panel squad? Yeah, the the penal squad. Yeah, the penal. I, I, I totally just <laughs> Strauer Battalion. Straff Battalion. Straff Battalion. That's good enough. Straff sure. Battalion penal squad. So these are like Straff. So these Straff. are these are like the prisoners. They're not like they are the they prisoners. Are. They're very much like. Yeah. So much so that they are. So <laughs> twenty points. You can get experience. They're thirty-five. They can be regular. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, five man with the NCO rifles again. You can add up to five more. Uh, 
NCO can have a submachine gun with two other bros. NCO and two other guys can have assault rifles, so that's kind of cool. Uh, you can even throw a light machine gun in this unit. You can throw. A and we're still talking about the unit. penal squad, right? We're still talking right? about the penal squad, yes, just the tip. Uh, anti-tank grenades and their shirkers. That, so that's shirkers. the shitty part. Is well, so that's why they're so cheap. Yeah, you can add you can add five additional inexperienced guys for four points each. They're right. dirt ass cheap for a ten man squad with a bunch of kit. But they're yeah, shirkers. Yeah, you can kit out really, really a lot significantly. Right. So, but they're shirkers, which is the crappy part. Well, right? you know, and they, you can you can mix and match your submachine guns and assault rifles and get an LMG yep. in there. Not too bad of a squad, but they're shirkers. So the other two aforementioned squads, the military police, have a special role called chain dogs. And I'm pretty sure they're going to release a model for this because they kind of got a little picture of it in the book. So uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, looking. that's the that's the motorcycle they just recently released. Did it have a dog on it too? Yeah, this picture has yep. a dog on it. Yeah, the German. That's the new SS uh, medium machine gun motorcycle. Okay, so if they're within six inches of these two squads, the Shirker rules doesn't count for that turn. Yeah, and it's it's the the Struff Battalion Penal Squad, or later in the book they have the Replacement Army Squads, which also I believe are Shirkers, that have, have the same effect with these guys. Yeah, which is which is what which what makes them really cool. Is it's that the you comboing. Can get, yeah. It's you, the you, first real synergy I've seen between units. Yeah, you put two or three of these, the, you know, the Struff Battalion penal squads up in front and you know got a couple of these dog units one or two of these dog units hanging behind those guys keeping them in check and you you get that you get that price discount without the without the shirker that's a fantastic screen it's really awesome like a nobbler screen right Dale? yeah yeah i mean i i really enjoy these kinds of combo-y kind of you know uh, units to support other units and require Some positional play arrived on it so i i it's it it offers um, a new or unique, different play style for people who are interested in it, and that's all part of advancing or moving the game forward for the people who are already invested in playing it. So, I love it. So, and the one other squad that's thrown in here is basically the just a regular infantry squad, but they they give them assault gun riders, so they can they can sit up on tanks and assault yeah, the, guns and the stuff Stug, like that. the Stug assault squad. Yep. I I think they've had those in a previous book before. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. I know the Russians certainly have. Yeah, I've, but, I know I've seen this somewhere before, but I can't remember which book it's in. But they're the 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 Beglit student escort. Yep. So historically, so, they were never on the tanks anywhere near battle. Their doctrine said, "Don't do that." Well, but, yeah, and the rules, you know, the rules are pretty simple. You know. Somebody shoots at them, and and the shooter, the fire is determined to be within range. These guys automatically jump off. Done deal. Right, they're yep. out of there. Yep. Don't want to be anywhere near the tank when it, that shit starts going down. Nope. Well, because it doesn't really offer any means of protection because you're sitting on the outside of the armor. Uh, it's actually <laughs> you worse become because additional armor. It's worse because things that hit the tank will ricochet towards you. Right. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was super excited when you when you told me about those units because I was like, "Wow, that's really cool! You can get some cheap Germans with some pretty good kit." Mm-hmm. Seventy point a seventy point regular unit. And you're like, "Dang!" And, and a way to keep them and a way in the yeah, fight. and a way to keep them from being you know like 
yeah, you're paying a penalty for Shirker, or you're taking that, you know, you're getting a discount because of Shirker, but you have a unit that's there, an additional unit that's trying to keep them in line, which is really nice. So, I don't know, I, I was excited about that. So, now, I, I don't think we want to go through the entire book, but there's there's definitely just a couple more that I really want to, want to kind of touch on. And the next one, if anyone can try and pronounce that for me, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I... I give up before I even started. Lavove Sandermeers? Sandomeers? Sounds great. Sandomeers? Sandomeers? Isn't that like uh, like the Smiths downtown, the Sandomeers? <laughs> sure. Uh, so this this is the offensive, <laughs> and this is uh, Western Poland and the army groups of North, North Ukraine kind of moving through stuff. Uh, and I think what's kind of fun is they got, they got more special rules in here, too. Uh, they actually talk about different types of terrain that you can kind of have just to kind of customize what was going on with the war at the time. Uh, in all of these, they do actually give general scenarios that you can play from the rule book itself, so you don't have to play the scenarios that they have in this. So if you just have a buddy who has the book and is like, hey, we're going to play scenario 12 out of the rule book and we're going we're gonna to do this campaign thing, you'll be fine. So all of them kind of do that, which is kind of cool. They kind of list what's going on with it. Um, this is another one where uh, the German player doesn't get reserve forces except when it's absolutely required. Uh, again, the, the air support for the Red Army, minefields, the bombardment has got the same rule to it, and another unequal struggle. Which is really cool that I like the most about this one is they got this scenario in here, and I know we want to talk about these later, but this one is so cool. I was so upset we couldn't play it because we don't have enough Tiger Twos in our group which I hope will change <laughs> later. So it's got the scenario called Big Game Hunter, and basically this was, uh, I think the background behind this was there is, you know, T-34, 85 group commander kind of going through this area and kind of sitting there in this, dog, this, this, this dusk fog, sort of, maybe it was early morning fog or whatever, and sees these, what he thinks are just, oh, must be a couple, couple of Panther IV or Panzer IVs rolling out and wanted to kind of ambush them and it turns out it was like the first Tiger twos that were rolling out. So they played a three to one advantage point wise. So you're looking at you know even if you're playing three Tiger th- Tiger twos, you're talking fifteen hundred points on the Germans. And you got to have forty five hundred points on the Russian side. Oh man, that's <laughs> but, and, and and the Russian side is supposed to be all T thirty four eighty fives. It's supposed to be like an armored platoon of them. Jeez. And they actually, they actually go through in the scenario, and they said for the German army, the only tank choice allowed is the Tiger II. I, I, Do we have any Tiger? Just I have a just Tiger one, right? one. I got I a, tiger a Tiger one. T- yeah, everyone's got a Tiger I have, one. I have four Tiger ones now. <laughs> <laughs> I think only Kevin has a Tiger two. He has one Tiger two. Tiger two. I may or may not have a Tiger two. Jesse's probably got fifteen T thirty four eighty fives, but. I've got a bunch of those too, man. Right. Well, actually, I think he only has two. But... Yeah. Nobody, nobody heard what I said. Oh, I no, heard. Sorry. Yeah, Tiger Two on the way. Zug on the no, way. No, a Zug. A Tiger Two Zug on the way. Oh, that's three. That's three. Yeah, I. Zug. Zug. No, sorry. King Tiger. They're the same thing. I know. Yep. I just want to throw it out there. I was say, I, get, I got confused at first, but I'm like, no, 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 those are the same thing. I have the Tiger Zug, but it's not Tiger Two Zug. Tiger as Tiger well. Sigh. 
Sfy. But I, I, I would so love to play this scenario because, you know, they do have quite a few armored platoon scenarios in this book. And, you know, just reading to, like, the first four or five scenarios, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to be over well, half armored platoon. Well, that changed pretty quickly. Yeah, and also, spoiler alert, there's an ass load of tanks on the Eastern Front. What? Uh, yep. Further what? spoiler alert, I think there might be a new version of Tank Wars on its way, too. What? what? No way. <laughs> Shenanigans. They only made that I think we should tell the four gamers that thing, actually. Yeah. But that's me. They should what? We should tell the four gamers that. Oh, sure. I mean, you've got all your tanks already painted. Well, no, you no, you gotta. It's got to be pure tale of four gamers, where you you pick a faction that you don't, that you don't already have right own. Now that's and you go oh, that that's, that oh. makes it no fun. Oh. What you're gonna make me buy models? Are you kidding me? I hate doing that. Fine, if I well, no, to. we start slowly, and you just kind of paint it and build it, and we try it out as we go along. I'm, I'm nice pretty sure about two weeks away from Warlord sending me another fifteen percent off because I haven't bought anything. And it was just. Weeks. Just putting it out there. I'm pretty sure you and about. Jesse are both going to get stock options from them. I <laughs> think you might already. <laughs> Hell, if I could, I would. I think they're uh, they're, they're a privately held company. Yeah, I don't think they're publicly traded. I think so. I think they've the people that may have been involved in another publicly traded company may have learned their lesson. You'd hope so. Sorry. Yeah. Spoiler stockholders right. stockholders can suck. Can <laughs> or do I should say? Yes, that's more likely true. So one thing I want to throw out here. Is again talking about the scenario. Yeah, I did, went back. So they've got uh, one of the commanders T thirty four eighty fives, and they kind of list his stats in here. And he's got a special rule that lists I for terrain. And I have I, I'm I've been going nuts in this book trying to find where the hell this rule is. And I'm thinking, was that was that part of something we covered in one of the other books? I'm uh, pretty sure Does it's in Tank War. That special rule at all. Pretty sure it's, it's in, in Tank, tank Wars? War book. Okay. Like 80% yeah. sure it's in Tank War. Okay. That... A book we should all have because it was offered for free I mean, I have recently it, so... by, <laughs> by Warlord. I have it, but it'll take me a minute. I couldn't get the tanks I wanted in one of those sets, otherwise I would have had it. What's wrong with It's a digital download for yeah, free. What's wrong so... with Panthers, man? I have one. I didn't want, I didn't want another three of them. Panthers or Panzers? Because they make a lot of them. No, Panthers. no. See, if you order the if you order the tank for starter box, you would have gotten two Panthers, and someone named Jeff would have bought three Shermans off you. Oh, uh, yeah, no. I'll who's who's this Jeff? You speak of? Yeah, I don't know. The other Jeff, he does buy everything. He, that's what I'm saying. He'd buy it. He'd buy it. Yeah, you? no. Yeah, right. Collector Jeff. Collector Jeff. You gotta like that guy. We show him every once. He shows up every once in a while. And he's like, "Hey, look at all the toys I bought," and then disappears again. To go. And then he sees all the new toys everybody else has. And then like, I don't have those. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I got them all. Oh, uh, you, you know, guys I... changed games again? Okay, thanks. I needed a reason to buy more models. Right. That's that's usually his MO. But anyway, digressing. So that which one were we on? Were we on the Sando Merez? I'm saying it like it's, it's Spanish. Pat was talking about the eye for terrain. Right? Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm searching the Tank Wars... Uh... Oh, so he's right reading now. now. Okay, gotcha. So, sorry. So I'll cover yeah, the next getting, one because... I'm not getting any results, so it, it, it's got to be somewhere else. I'm not sure where it is. We'll get back to you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we'll find it. I'm sure it's somewhere. I don't know where it is either, but... Uh, I, I was going to say, the, one of the things I liked about this book versus... I, I kind of just skipped the New Guinea book, but the Sea Lion books is a very fictional, but this one is very much based in history Except. outside of... Outside of one little component, which was the Warsaw Uprising, 
I'm, I'm noticing is just basically saying like that's a that's the only what if scenario I saw in there, right? Yes, that is correct. It's... So they introduced the Armada Krajawa. Uh, W's or based... V's in Polish. Oh, really? Yeah. So well, the I still can't pronounce Krajowa. that. Krajowa. Yeah, that's much sure. closer. Okay. They're, so they're not people who steal R2 units is what you're telling me? They're not Chawas, no. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. I thought it was Krakatoa when oh I saw it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's not anywhere near it either. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, for Dale, it starts and ends close, the same. Uh, basically, right. uh, let's just go with the, the Polish resistance. There we go. Polish not, partisans. No, not, not, not no. the Polish partisans, not the Polish army. No. They're the Polish resistance. And they they kind of introduce that they actually have a whole army list forum. But like Rick said and alluded to, they kind of give them a what-if scenario to it, basically meaning what if the Russians had come to help kick the Germans out is kind of how this whole theater kind of plays through. And Jeff, is there some history behind that you might know about? There's a ton of history. I, I could... How many hours you got? I could love to talk about the Warsaw Prize. I've got four minutes. Go ahead. <clears throat> Here's a crib note version of it. So after Poland fell, there there's an underground movement there with all the people in Poland who are kind of pissed that there isn't really a Poland anymore. Uh, and they form the uh, the Armia Krajowa. Um, that's also wrong. I'm sorry, Poland, but that's as close as I can get. So it's, it's an actual we army. We still love you, man. Clandestine army. I mean, they have ranks. They have a command structure. They have... Uh, underground factories making guns for them. So these guys are... So this is different from the partisans because they're actually organized. Yes, this is the most okay. well-organized resistance movement of the war. S- sorry, Ma- Maki, but th- that's true. These, these guys were really, really raring and ready to go. And so they've got all these guys in Warsaw, and they're they're just waiting for the signal, right? They're waiting for the Russians to get close enough and the idea is is that, uh, sorry, side note, there's a lot of politics involved in this too. The original Polish government is in England at this point. Uh, the Russians have created their own Polish government out of Polish communists. And so the army, the resistance army in Warsaw does not want to be communist. They don't want to be Russian puppets. So the idea is, is they're going to take over Warsaw when the Russians are close uh, but like, be like, okay, we took the city back. You can go. You can go around us now, uh, as a statement that Poland was going to maintain Polish sovereignty. Uh, the, okay. the problem is, is the Russians also know this. So the Russians roll up to the suburbs. I mean, five, six miles away from downtown Warsaw, uh, and start broadcasting the radio code for like, okay, this is the time to have the uprising and kick the Germans out. Uh, so the Poles rise up and are incredibly successful in the first few hours of this uprising. Really caught the Germans unprepared. Took over a major section of the city. But, surprise, the Russians kind of just stop and sit back and wait and watch the Germans basically flatten Warsaw and and kill the entire resistance movement or capture them. And then, surprise, surprise, then the Russians roll in afterwards so they can install their own government. Yay. So it's it's so a, there was more than one agenda during the war. Oh my God, yeah. That and seems and I'm sorry to say, sorry to say, but of all the countries that that really get screwed in the Second World War, Poland's probably number one because multiple they, times over, right? They get ruled by the Germans. They get ruled by the the Russians. 
and, you know, in England and France say, oh, yeah, we're going to declare war on Germany, and we don't come to help. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, you know, everybody's going to be their own country when we, re- we reclaim them, but not you, Poland. Russia's just going to get to control you. So we kind of hung them out to dry, the Allies, to the Russians. Pretty bad. Don't they have their own Olympic team, though? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of history since 1945 as well. It's <laughs> oh, a long time ago, maybe. I mean, I could fill a couple more books. <laughs> it was like Lekulansa last week, and, wasn't it? And, right. and, the, and the Polish independent. Anyway, there's a lot of history there. But suffice to say, uh, they got hung out to dry. Uh, of course, if you're a communist Poland, Polish Pol- Polish Pol? citizen, Pol, if you're a communist Pol, you're going to view history slightly different. And, you know, the Russians were awesome. But... Uh, free-loving Poles. You'll notice almost all the Poles that fought with the Allies, uh, with the Americans or the British, uh, didn't really ever go home after the war. They they settled in England mm-hmm. rather than go back and live in, in communist Poland. So, anyway, this what-if scenario, I don't mind this one because this is this is a tremendously interesting what-if case in World War II. And, in fact, I think it's, frankly, more interesting than Operation Sea Lion. Uh, is if they were actually provided the support they're supposed to. So another side note, if you have any of the Polish airborne guys that Warlord makes, that entire brigade was formed with the intention of being dropped into Warsaw during the uprising to help them out, to help them secure the city. But when it came to the time, England was like, eh, you know, we don't really have enough transport planes for you, so we're just... We're just not Sorry, do that. we've bumped your flights. You're going to have to wait right. for Right, yeah, yeah. Sorry. What like is this, a, Delta? Yeah, yes. pretty much. Yeah, there's a really expensive ticket. Except no one is dragged off the flight. The flight's just yeah, they would have been on the plane to start with right. and then got dragged yeah, off. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, maybe they did. You don't know the whole story. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe, maybe they got on there and their luggage wasn't there. I watched the Twitter feed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty. It's a pretty uh, awful section of history if you're, if you're a big fan of the Allies. So. But anyway, I, I really he, like this what-if scenario, and I really yeah. like this section of the book. Uh, so, so I, I'm not a fan of the what-if scenarios, and I, I didn't I didn't care for Operation Sea Lion. I, I bought into the first book, and I'm just like, eh. And so I saw this what-if, and I'm just like, really? Another one? But now that you bring it up, and I, I think you may have swayed my opinion a little bit there, Jeff. I, I think that was kind of cool. Well, the other one was a little more jocular too, like with the rugby teams and the yeah, roller skating people. Yeah, and the people. roller it, skates. Like, yeah, this it one maybe was a little bit. It was. It's funny, this, but it, this one's it probably wasn't quite a bit as, more of a legit. What if if those tanks yes. had just rolled another six miles? Right. Or yeah. yeah, it's almost like an edge of history. Which, which is what, sure. six miles? What is that? Like seventy-two kilometers or something? Uh, no, <laughs> that doesn't sound nearly right. Six, six that seems miles wrong. About, it's not, it's not supposed 13, to be. A, 14 sorry, that's a joke. Uh, okay. I was like, I'm like, yeah. you're an engineer. I'm scared. Yes. Um, but <laughs> the point of it is, is this is, you know, for me, 4,500 millimeters. This no. is really interesting. So, I mean, this is, this is the what if yeah. I really. So what's like kind of cool about this is they actually, they have a full armyless selector. It's a theater selector for the Polish resistance. Yeah. It's like a new army. It, it, it kind of is, but again, they, they don't anywhere. Uh, you know, actually they do. They do actually list the terms reinforced platoon for this selector. There you go. There you go. So, with army special rules, uh, they do not include any army special rules whatsoever. Well, if you want to play the polls, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with it. Really. You get no free units. You get no special rules, but you get the, the grace and saving thanks of being Polish resistance. Sure. I 
I will, I will say one more thing about this, and I think this is an interesting thing, is that they just released Polish paratroopers not that long ago. And I actually had seen multiple people on Facebook asking, what are these Polish, or how am I supposed to use these Polish paratroopers? Do they fit into this Karzowa, Armia um, Karzowa? No. Page 50. What's that? Page 50. What does it say on page 50? I don't have the book. That's where the reinforced <laughs> platoon selector is at. You're killing me, Smalls. What's, is it reinforced? We, we don't have the damn book. I don't have the keep, book, keep man. Going. I don't have a PDF. So is there a section for paratroopers there? Uh, there are, let's see, so they get infantry squads, and they've got some other special troops listed in here, but none of their, none of their paratroopers. Okay. So, oh, historical note, the reason the paratroopers aren't listed, obviously, is A, because they, they, were, never went. they were not dropped for the Polish, the Warsaw Uprising, but, spoiler alert, if they're not also, if they're not included in the Operation Market Garden theoretical book that maybe or may not be coming out, then I will be disappointed. Because that's where they were that. actually used. Yeah, fair. So, I could I, I would place bets that they'll be in that book. Well, if they're releasing models for me, sure as hell hope so. But you know, but well, as of now, you just coming out in March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as it stands, they you basically play them as British paratroopers. They're just variants sure. of the same thing, right? You paint the colors a little different. You're good to go. The beret style is different, you know. Right, but they're wearing different similar color. uniforms. Oh and... yeah, everything else is British equipment. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Yeah. So, super interesting section of the book. I would love to see someone make a full Polish army, Krajowa army. I think that'd be awesome. It's if not going to be me. Correctly, be great. Yeah, someone could someone could like think... text us how to pronounce that, so I don't keep screwing it up. That'd be awesome. I could text it to you, but I don't know how I would but, text you. But it'll be just like what you said, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to text you the words. Here you go. I'm going to tell thinking, you how to here, say it. Pronounce it this way. That's what I just said. I know what I said. In the, in the off chance are. someone lives in Poland and listens to this, A, I apologize. B, I really would like to know how to say it. So, like, I don't know how you do that, but, you know. They could send us a, uh audio recording. Sure, or, that'd work. I don't know how to or set like up really a hooked on fake phone number thing. For me. That, that, yeah, so, there you go. The, if you can just do it that way, too. Just to, just to throw it out there, they do also have the, the German Warsaw Uprising Theater Selector for the Germans as well. And they have several scenarios that throw in there. And they've got the... The Ar- Armada Kerjova units. Maybe that's Krajova. I, I think you're getting worse. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think you are. As time goes by, you're getting worse. Yeah. It could be. <laughs> so, but they they offer it, it basically an army list, including like snipers and flamethrower teams. They're they're stuck with the dreaded Piat. Sorry, guys. I know mm. that one's crap. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you if if I'm a resistance movement in an urban environment, you want I would, that? I want the Piat because you're hiding. Yep. Yeah, you can ambush the crap out of yes, stuff, stuff with that. And you're usually not shooting terribly far in an urban environment, so the range difference is negligible. They they do have the option for a zero one captured tank from Panther. Just just a Panther. Uh, the Hetzer. Oh, dude, they have a Hetzer they can capture? Yep. Zero one captured Panther or Hetzer. Hmm. I do have a Hetzer. That's kind of fun. Yet. There you go. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> Hetzer's got a Hetzer, baby. And they've got the Pack 36 45. Uh, though from the. Uh, sorry, the 45 millimeters from 1937. Yeah. 
Got to remember, it's stuff they could steal and hide in a building or a warehouse right. or a tool yep. shed. Or... I think we covered that in part of Maybe not have to move too far. about a, you know moving a tank out with like yeah. two donkeys and stuff like that. So. Right. You got a real interesting flower planter there. <laughs> oh wait, it's, it's a <laughs> here. It's a forty-five why, why millimeter. Ahead, tank why don't you go ahead and smell that? That'll be great for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the other one that you know when we looked through this kind of at the club that was really interesting. And so the struggle continues is kind of the heading that they go under, and, and there's there's a whole bunch of scenarios in there. But I think uh, Jesse was looking through it and looking at the NKVD additional units that were thrown in there. Yeah, I think we should cover those with Jesse because he was excited. He was excited. We'll just we'll we'll he, tease he that again. He probably remembers those. Actually, he might have actually burned them into his retina. Yeah, I he, would he imagine might he might have. <laughs> yeah, no spy cam necessary. He just like burned those straight to his brain. Right. Yeah, done. Was, he was pretty excited. So we're gonna just tease that, and we'll come back after the next break, and we'll have Jesse on to talk about the NKVD units that are there. So the other really, the other really big one I want to go through is kind of like the Operation Berlin. Sure. Because they they kind of got a lot of the little the little side stuff, which doesn't introduce a lot of it introduces a lot of history, which. I'm sure Jeff finds really interesting, and other players certainly do too, but doesn't really add a whole lot of special rules that we haven't learned about, doesn't add a whole lot of special, more additional units that we've learned about. So the Operation Berlin is the actual, what it sounds like is actually rolling into Berlin. Yeah, they did that, right? It's bad for the Germans. Well, I think it was kind of the end war game for them. Right. Yeah. yeah kind of. Kind of like you're, you're no more quarters to be put in, you're done playing sort of thing. Yeah, kind of game over. Yeah. Well, it's timely with the box set that Warlord has just announced. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Jeff, for bringing that up. Do you know more about that than us? Go ahead. Well, no, I've just, I happen to see, I happen to see the picture of it um, come across, I think it was the Facebook Bolt Action Group, where they do the split of... Um, the German and and the Russian forces, but I, the terrain in there is what's really interesting it to me. It looks amazing. So. Some of that yeah. stuff looks really nice. It's a good set. Like, can you remember what it retails for? I don't know if you guys haven't seen it. Go find it online. Two thirty-five. It's quite a bit of stuff for two thirty-five. I feel like you're getting a fairly good bang for your buck out of that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah, a couple tanks on each side. They even have um, like a ruined tank terrain piece. They've got the iconic uh, Russian red flag. You know. On like kind a of. pedestal. Was it like a guy yeah. like clamoring up on a pedestal to put yeah. it there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy's living it, lifting it over the Reichstag. Yep. Yep. So that's pretty awesome. I think I saw some. Was there some Jungen Jungen troops too? Which I don't know have have been released previously or not. But the uh, the youth. Yeah. Uh, they have released a whole set of those. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if they're the same ones. I didn't get a close enough look. It was a fairly blurry picture. Yeah, I was kind of not that I'm like real sad that they only gave you five of the of the youth uh, Hitler youth in there, but the the original box set, the Defender of uh, what is it, the 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 Last Defenders, is that what it's called? Last Levy. The Last Levy. There we go. Is a is got a bunch of Hitler youth in it. Right. And I feel like five guys isn't not nearly as cool as the twenty or thirty that came in that box. But oh well. It still looks like a pretty damn good value. Yeah, great, great springboard for people who are two 
two people who might be looking to get started. So yeah, or one guy who just likes to collect the crap out of stuff. Yeah, and so they had Which a couple of plastic of buildings of us, and stuff too. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably get that one. Yeah, I don't. I I'm in between on it. I, it looks like a pretty good deal, but I really like the terrain they have in there and. Yeah, I, I've kind of really always kind of want to put together an access force because I have, well, at this point, almost all of the British. So it'd be nice to have something else. Yeah, you get sick of the same thing over and over again. It's kind of the primary reason why I don't know that I'll get it is just because I already have Germans. I have quite a few of them. Right. And I don't. You don't want Russians. Yeah. I think German. Ha- I think uh, Jesse has all of the Russians the same as I have all the all the British. Right. So I don't. I don't know if there are any Russians left for me. There might be more Russians left for him, but we'll talk to him after the next break. <laughs> if I do more Russian, or if I do more Germans, there are going to be far more like. You'll be getting closer focused. to the one to one ratio than what you're at right now. No, no, I'll be a much more focused. Like I'm going to do a Waffen SS army. Steve and Frank and Louis. No, I yeah, no, it's Hans and Franz yeah, and Fritz go, yeah. and yeah, Gunter, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk and Gunter and. We are Hans and Franz, I'm, and we are here I'm to I'm sorry, Europe. all the Germans out there that are probably offended by us. Well, if they went you know, through American names, they'd be like John yeah. and Mike. Ryan, Ryan, Bob. I'm pretty sure the Germans were offended by us long before they yeah, sorry about the episode. Don't forget Falco. Oh, God, yeah, Falco. Falco. Oh, yeah. Which one is, I'm so confused. Which side <laughs> is that one on now? Yes. Spoiler alert, we make fun of ourselves a lot, too, as Americans, so no worries. Yes. We're self-depreciating. It's okay. Depreciating. Yeah, we go down in value every day. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't win tonight. You want to talk about Operation Berlin yet? Yeah, please. Can we? Yeah. I'd love to. <laughs> so Our stock is falling. Oh, yeah, well, it is probably falling. We can write off a certain percent of ourselves every year. There we go. Well, how much, we do that anyway. how much can we have for a tax write-off? So, you know, let's go yeah. with that. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, the... The last thing we have to touch on is not the last thing in the book. I mean, we'll we'll maybe touch on coming. Well, actually, part of this will go through the special rules. We're going to touch it some more. Don't worry. We'll we'll touch it plenty until it's done. Sure. You know, Jeff will let us know when he's finally finished. We've glossed over it, but there's additional German units um, scattered throughout as well. I haven't really talked too much about that. Yeah, so. I think when we come back with with Jesse, we'll we'll talk about the 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 other special Russian units that are introduced as well. The additional Russian units. Yeah, there's some pretty none cool of which units. were added to the reinforced platoons, but for this campaign. So they got some special rules for Operation Berlin, which is kind of cool. Again, they do the same thing where, you know, hey, you have the the main rule book. You can play scenarios 7, 9, 10, 11 out of it, and those kind of fit in the same theme of what you're doing here. Don't remember what those are off the top of my head, but they kind of list those. Uh, again, they got the preparatory bombardment for the Russians. They get to add additional plus one to their die roll. However, this time, they have to roll for their own units as well. And on a 6... They have to re-roll as though that unit has been hit by the bombardment as well. Just because they're all in the city environment and the lines are blurred and stuff like that, which, that's kind of cool, actually. Danger close. Yep. You know, speaking from somebody who's been hit by my own bombardments before, I think that's kind of nice that you share the love a little bit. So, again, also with the air support, uh, they... they uh, the Germans still don't get the Luftwaffe because, well, they're they're not there. The Russians, however, now because they're in this this close environment, have to have a minus one result. 
So a result of 0 and 1 will give them the rookie pilot. So kind of awesome. caution those Russian players against putting the air support, the, the air observer in that list. And then they introduced the city fighting rule, which we'll cover in a moment. Uh, and then the Berlin bar uh, barricades, which this is really cool. I like that they did this. So basically all the residents of Berlin kind of like started doing improv barricades. So when the German player is defending, he gets a barricade that's six inches long and about an inch deep and it provides a cover bonus of minus three instead of minus two. And mm. HE can destroy it the same as a building. And mm. units assaulting across it count as defensive position. And tanks cannot remove that barricade. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's really slick that they did that. I like that. Yeah. And they also had, they put in the minefields again, and they also did the unequal struggle, and and this is this is interesting. Dale may not care much about this one, but basically they put both sides in fanatic special rules. Yep. Wait, they put both sides in fanatic. Both sides as fanatic, yes. In just this one scenario, if both players agree, all units on both sides can be classified as fanatic. Now is that an op that's an Operation Berlin, yep. right? That's oh, okay. Yeah. All right, because I was going to say, I'm like, wait a minute. There. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the end. The Germans aren't going anywhere. Yeah, they have no, nowhere to go. go, and the Russians aren't going anywhere because they are just sick yeah. of it. And they can see the finish line, yeah. and they're trying they're to super yeah, they're trying to beat the Western <laughs> Allies. They're trying sure. to beat the Western Allies to to claim the city. Right. So. Fair. No, I was just thinking of the playthroughs that we did, and I like maybe should have read closer to make sure I didn't get fanatic. So I, I was out last week and couldn't fully brief you guys. No, it, no, I think it was the first week anyway, but it didn't. As it was, it was still fun. No, uh, this this one, Operation Berlin, would have been would have been. I think, I think you guys were in scenario twelve, which was in there. I think so. In the second one, uh, the second scenario yep. you gave us was yeah okay. Operation Twelve, the tank hunting that you guys did that we'll talk yep. about after the break was Operation Berlin, and I should have given the rest of that, but At, uh, we had the book in front of us. We could have read it. Well, then you, you got no just, excuses. That's not my fault anymore. Right? No, we just wanted to. We just wanted to blow shit up. We both were like, "We got tanks. Let's blow shit up." And then we blew shit up. Yeah, that was one, our first one tank war than the other at the club. Wasn't That's it? pretty awesome, though. I like that. Um, yes. Yeah, the, I yeah. don't know anyone else that's done armor, armored platoon. Did we? Yeah. Did we do that the first? The first one too, or no? Just the second one was the first one was a normal scenario. Yeah, first one was normal, a normal selection. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're talking, we're we're blowing Jesse's uh, cover here, so we'll talk about that after the break. But All right. is there? Yes, yeah, so you mentioned minefields quite a bit. I don't remember like a lot about the minefields, but I thought the minefield rules were in here were very unique. For some people that may not have all the other books, I think is worth talking about again. In a lot of these scenarios, they designate how many. Uh, minefields you get. No, you kill me, Smalls. What do you mean? Because I skipped. Because I'm skipping around for once. Because no, no, it's my no. turn to. Nope, that's fine. That's fine. Just I, <laughs> I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't turned that page of minefield rules yet. Oh, so. oh, it was the, all right. Because well, I, I knew for sure. So a lot of these rules that they have reprinted in previous versions. Yep. And, and Rick alluded to that he hasn't really dealt with those minefields before. And uh, actually, in this one. Let's see, I think they're very similar, and I think there's a couple of subtlety differences than they have Battle of the Bulge. But I don't have them side by side to compare them. Sure. I, I was going to say, I felt like they were a little different. I thought that there was some 
clever bits in there that I I was appreciating when I was playing it, and I got to, when I got to place the minefields, it was super fun. Or did you play them wrong? No, we played them right. I I'm, I'm picked, just giving you shit, dude. Yeah, no, I picked and wrote down. The, the, my biggest beef is that I didn't have three of them because I would have picked the the crossroads. You had three crossroads. Yeah, three yeah. crossroads. Well, I so one of the rules that you can take with the with the minefields is you can replace two of them, or or you can you can. You can get two for one if you take two fake ones, right? Yeah. So you could have three of them, and two yep. of them are fake, and, and one of them is real, real. which and, I would have been really happy about being able to do it, except we just didn't have three of them within the club that night. So I was just like, oh, I'll just play them normal. Sorry, I only made two. It's okay. It's okay. It was it was still uh, it was still fun as is. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that more in the next one. But um, I also like the dug in rules too. Oh my goodness. It was the first I'd seen of those. those yeah, those that, are really that's good. Rough. If you know about them before you actually say they're dug in, right? right? Jesse will confirm that next after the next break too, because he kind of had that thing blow up. He was like, "Oh, yeah." But you know, all those all those have been covered before, and they reprint them again for you. Yeah. Um, uh, do you, Do you want to go through the minefield, or you want to just cover the the new one that they kind of brought up? Let's just cover the new one they brought up. I, I think people can find the them. Late yep. Night. yep, yep, exactly. So the new one they brought up is City Fighting. Oh, let, we can save that one for Jesse because yeah, we played, you guys had to deal with that in your scenario. We had to show. play with our second scenario. We had that very, very much in in that <laughs> was a nightmare. <laughs> was that with all the rubble? Oh my gosh, it was a it was an atrocious nightmare. As it okay. should be, it was like you're they're you know wading through a bombed out city. It, so. I'll be honest. Spoiler alert: That was half the reason why I picked that scenario. You guys yeah, no, because because no, you're going to have intriguing. tanks and you're going to be in a city. I, I'm like, you guys have to play this. I have to see how this does. That was awesome. Uh, we, we'll get into it with Jesse because that is uh, it's it was it was a fun scenario. Let's put it that way. It was fun. But hey, look at that. Rick's not apologizing. That's a good thing. No, no, I don't, I don't always apologize, guys. I apologize when shit Sorry actually goes that. wrong. But that's my whole life. So, well, we we depreciate that. <laughs> See, wow. you know, here's the funny thing because you guys, uh, I'm I'm going to do this on the air because that's what this will be why we break up the podcast, right? Because <laughs> self depreciation is a thing. It's a type of comedy. <clears throat> no, it's, it's it's no deprecating. Deprecating. Yeah, you're right. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Can't read at eleven o'clock at night. Apparently. Yep. 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 All right. <laughs> I'll just edit that out then since I get control of that shit right now. <laughs> uh, we'll note that down for two something. And I'll forget about it and it'll be in here anyway. Yeah, sorry, I didn't write that down so you won't get it. No, I, that's okay. I got it. Got my own shit over here. So before we, we break um, and go into the next segment, overall impressions of the book, guys? You know what? It's finally something that a lot of us have a vested interest in army-wise. It's kind of like, you know, Battle Bulge is kind of nice, but I think we were, it was it was soon enough for us in the campaign that we still were kind of gung-ho about playing Jeff's campaign and didn't want to take a pause and a break for it. And, you know, we've, we've been playing that for a while, and sorry, no offense to Jeff, but, you know, we look for distractions, i.e. Uh, tournaments to play, stuff like that. 
Uh, and then this book kind of just dropped on us. And we're like, holy crap, we got to play this and like tell everyone about it. And I think that was really cool. And that extra element for it for us was was really great. And the fact that it was German Russian, pretty much right on, which is kind of where we're playing, is cool. I like it. I think it's really exciting. Yeah, I I think Pat hit the thing on the nail on the head there, just saying that it's the Russians versus the Germans. And it hit us at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely helped. But I think the. I think in previous versions, I don't know. I don't know why Battle of the Bulge didn't do it nearly as much for me. Maybe because it was winter themed, but this is like pretty well, much. Maybe if Mike had had the stuff painted, it would have been exciting. Yeah, but even then, I didn't have a winter themed German army, so it still would have felt weird. I I don't know why this book resonated better with me, but maybe it just has to do with the fact that it's I don't know. It just seems like a much cleaner set of of things for the Germans. I don't know. I got excited for several of the theater selectors because the theater selectors for the Germans actually look good. Is it all about you getting your ass kicked? Because you usually do. It, it, which it is, but, it, well, no, I mean, well, right, so I can feel, I don't have to feel bad when I lose. Right, you're like, it's just supposed like historically to lose. accurate at this yeah. point. There you go. I See? can lose every match. <laughs> hey, come spoiler, on. You, that didn't you've happen. drawn a couple. Fair, and spoiler, I, that didn't happen this, this last couple of weeks. <laughs> but we'll, uh, We'll get into that after the break. But, yeah, no, I think that uh, it just – I think it's just kind of like the perfect – it's like the – I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the the Rocky and Apollo fight, except Rocky's missing a leg and an eye. But This is a really weird analogy. Yeah, yeah sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Going I, this, it's but... getting late. And... I don't get it. I'm just basically saying, well, that the Germans are getting their ass kicked already. They've been getting beat up for quite some time, and they're getting pushed back for quite a while. Well, but it's Rocky basically just both Americans. <laughs> You're thinking of Ivan Drago. It's, it's, sure, he's a Russian. At least he's yeah. Russian. What What I was getting at or alluding to is that it's the kind of the premier fight. Like it's the two big, two bigger powers in this. Now, although there are lots of powers in the World War II, I don't know why this one does it for me. It was kind of. It's kind of the deciding um, action yeah. of of the European theater. Right. Yes. Well, the old, well, yeah. Just, you know what Considered the, the heavy lifting. So very decisive, really kind of end war and, you know, brought it to conclusion. I think it's very cool about it. All better said than what I said at this point. So... Yeah, it's it's the first one that um, in my short history where we've actually kind of played some of the scenarios, and so Jeff does a good job of throwing different things at us, and so you know it's a, it's not like we have we haven't seen that before, but it was right, just, it was interesting to gotten, see how these played out. We just so, haven't gotten and you guys up talking to about that. current current production. Like I think if if you know we're playing very early war right now. So I think when we get to the mid-war, it will, the mid-war will actually be doing scenarios from Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. But those aren't... Maybe. We'll see. We'll at least have less grumbling from the people who think they're terrible in, in early war. Right. Not at all. I'll grumble all the way. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the book. It looks good. So um, there's some, some things in there that I hadn't seen before I thought were fun and interesting and... And I thought the scenarios you guys played were, were cool. So Yeah. I was yeah, really they... drawn to the armor platoon selections that were in there and really kind of making a push towards that because I've really wanted to do that for 
a while now, so I think that's very cool. Uh, also, really looking forward to the what you what we'll talk to with Jesse in the next scenario, which is that whole city fighting stuff. It's this book. Uh, every every day I've had it gets more tabs and highlights. So pretty soon it'll all be tabs and highlights, and then the, the they... spine might be pretty broken by the time you guys see it on Thursday. Oh boy, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. As long so as the pages are um, sticky, I'm cool. <laughs> we'll need a. Sounds like we'll need a tank, a tank wars uh, campaign game soon. Well, that's good because we're so just about we to can all get in on that. Operation Barbosa. Barbarossa. There you go. Yeah, that's the joke. Yes. Yeah, that's in the next. It's not much of a joke anymore, to be fair. I'm just going to keep poking that bear. I like it. Yeah. Uh, he plays Germans, not the Russians. Um, different bear. I'm just going to let that one go. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Continue, please. Well, does that um, wrap it up um, for this segment? I think that double bags it. Alrighty. All right. Uh, we'll be back in. Normally, we don't have three break or two breaks, but we're going to do two breaks tonight so we can get Jesse on here. So time warp. I think. Yep. And then we'll, we'll be back in a little bit. Uh, say good night, Dale. Have a night, guys. All right, we'll be back in three minutes with Jesse. Very good. День победы, как он был от нас далек, как в костре потухшем таял уголек. Были версты обгорелые в пыли. Этот день мы приближали, как могли, Этот день победы, Порохом пропах. Это праздник с сединою на висках, Это радость со слезами на глазах. День победы, День победы, день победы. Ни ночи у мартеновских печей не смыкала наша родина очей. Ни ночи битву трудную вели, Этот день мы приближали, как могли. Этот день победы порохом пропах. Это праздник с на висках. Слезами на глазах День победы, день победы, день победы Мама, возвратились мы не все, босиком бы пробежаться по росе. Пол 
Европы прошагали пол земли. Этот день мы приближали, как могли. Этот день победы порохом пропал. Это праздник с сединою на висках. Это радость со слезами на глазах. День победы, день победы, день победы. Слезами на глазах. День победы, день победы, день победы. Welcome back from the short break we had. Second short break we had, actually. Uh, with us, we have now a special guest. Jesse, say hello. Hello. So we're going to go through... Welcome back, uh, Jesse. Just... It's been a while <laughs> you for having yeah. me back. Yeah. We, uh, Jesse and I got to play several of the scenarios together um, since we are the apparently the token Soviet player and the token German player. We got to play the Soviet and German scenarios out of the Road to Berlin book. Yeah, there are many of. Yeah, there Quite are a few, in fact. Actually really fun. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I didn't even think about this, but I didn't see any. So correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, about history, but it was kind of like the U.S. were pushing into Berlin at the same time the Soviets were from the other side, correct? Negative. Uh, the United Negative. None of the Allied forces, England, English or Americans or Free French, ever made it to Berlin during the war. They got okay. close. Yeah, they got within spitting distance, I guess you could say, but okay. the, the Russians did all the all of the Berlin heavy lifting. Right. Because I remember there, there being scenarios or stories where they're basically like the U.S. weren't exactly sure if the Soviets were going to stop when they were done with the Germans and if they weren't just going to keep kind of moving further west. There were rumblings about it. I mean, Churchill definitely wanted the, the Western allies to grab as much territory in Europe as possible to ensure that it would be free after the war. <laughs> But yeah, there, what was the what was the operation that Churchill had uh, in place in case they didn't stop at Berlin? It was kind of a goofy name. It wasn't I? I think that was unthinkable, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was just a kind of a write up, a backup plan in case we had to start fighting the the Russians right away. And then, I, like, yeah, it almost it almost actually came out like two years later, or something like that. Yeah, there's things... Well, obviously, anyone that knows Cold War history knows things didn't sit well between the Russians and the Allies for very long, so... but I like that it was called Operation Unthinkable. Apparently, yeah. they thought of it, but it was unthinkable. Right, right. Well, you know, the guy that names well, things was out that week. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get some oxymoronic names when you got some of these operations. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they were just tapped for ideas by that point. They had so many. Right. Right. On both sides. We already did Operation Zippity Doo. We can't name it that again. But we ha we haven't done it for a year. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but at least they didn't call it num uh, colors like the Germans did. 
yeah, well, the Germans wanted to make sure, you know, it was really easy to understand, so anyone reading their radio traffic wouldn't get confused. Fair. Yeah. And they, I, don't, I don't think the Americans did. They did not. Neither <laughs> did the English. Fair. Thank you, England, for cracking the code. Actually, thank you. God, who started that? Poland and the Norwegians. To give full credit across the board there. It was not just a single individual. No, no. And it wasn't just a single country. Massive group right. effort. Yep. Yeah. All right. So when we got this book, I think we had the, you know, we were super giddy, excited to, like, start reading through it and look at it. And I can't remember who it was. It was it Dale that's like, hey, maybe we should try something a little different with this one. Was it Dale? Yeah, it was Dale that suggested we should yeah, play something maybe, out of the book. Yeah, maybe we should play a couple of the scenarios to give some ideas to what this book is all about. And we were kind of like, uh? Yeah, I think we were like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. So uh, so Jesse so and I agreed to play it, and then Pat kind of went through the book and tried to select some scenarios that looked more interesting than others. So why don't you... Uh, what, so we started with uh, Operation Bagration, is that what it is? Bagration? Bagration? Bagration. Bagration, okay. Bagrations. Sure. Um, and we picked the scenario in the book called the 34, right? Yes, that is correct. Scenario okay. 3, because the first two were armored platoons, and you guys were kind of having a at that one. We kind of had to get eased into this. Yeah. So <laughs> when we started talking about this, you were like, Jesse, you get to have three times as many points as Rick. Which made me very happy. Right, and I was like, oh, crap. With three times as many Soviets, I'm screwed. And then, like, you know, we've been, I've been monkeying with lists for a couple of days, and then Pat, there, you... There was, some, there was some taunt text that went out amongst our group, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and Jesse was texting, I got, I have, like, 100 dudes. I'm going I'm I'm like, to roll you with all this stuff, and you don't have a prayer. And then I'm fair. reading through it further, and I go... Oh, whoops, hang on, I got that backwards. <laughs> All of a sudden, my, my, my heart like grew three sizes. I was like, oh, my gosh, I might have a chance of beating him. And Jesse Cause... was like, oh. I don't and get to Rick's bring all the stuff. Throwing the, throwing the smack out there. And Jesse's like, yeah, that was me 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of crazy how the despair flip-flopped real quick when that happened. So that is one of the things that we noticed in this book is that a lot of times they'll switch the point totals to be different. But I think the scenarios are fairly well balanced in that respect, that they're meant to play at that level. Well, and, and on that note, um, Pat was telling me actually that to uh, reenact like actual historic history, I actually had to take a T-34 or a T-34-85, which is to... 195 or 235 points so the point total being on the 500 point is cut in half well thank god you got that free squad yes right rick did you get any free squads no i did not i never do (laughs) i never will yet i don't know all right so so the 34 is a scenario is one of the key crossing points of the river brzena in the town of the Russian word, Borisville, probably not Boris, Borisiv. I don't know. Russian words are terrible. I'm not helping you on these, by the way, because it's far more entertaining to hear your. To let you struggle through them. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I don't actually know how to say them either. So. Okay. 
I like Bullersville. It's got a nice ring to it. You're the only one that has the book, so. There's that. That too. <laughs> Borisov, I believe, probably would get closer oh, you to Belorussia. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. No, not Belorussia. No? B O R I S O V. Wait. That's the town. Okay. And the river Bezarina. No, I think W's or V's are actually W's in that language. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I'm just messing with you. Thanks. <laughs> you know, and X's actually get pronounced as B's, so... Is this the is this the Enigma code? <laughs> might as Could, well be. Might as well yeah, be. At this really. point. So that's what, the, that's what the scenario was kind of reenacting. And they in the in the book, they kind of do, of course, you know, it's a campaign, and they kind of go over, and they give the full background of what the scenarios were actually going through and what was happening at the time. And I'm not going to read the entire six, seven pages of flavor text, but that's kind of the gist of what it was. I think you can uh, actually probably Wikipedia this. I'm sure it actually exists since it is a piece of history. You can figure out what... Well, I don't know. If you get the internet handy, why don't you see what happens? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. So this was kind of set up where uh, the Russians were kind of entrenched and the Germans, I believe, were retreating across the positions rapidly. So that's why the Soviet had to only start with a third of the points is they got to start in a very defensive position with some other defensive, some other defensive niceties. So they got, the Soviet player got, so they got to pick the, the side of the board that they got, and they were deployed, and they got to pick, they got to place three bunkers, and they also got to pick, I threw in just two minefields just because I had minefields and it sounded like fun. So we're already deviating. You can deviate for fun. No, that's fine. No, it was, it was fine either Why way. Why don't you like fun? Yeah. Well, it's just not necessarily always the... Uh, true test of the scenario, right? Gotta try it once vanilla and then put and then then add the sprinkles. But sure. Boring. In this case we just went straight to the minefields. Sprinkles. Sprinkles, chocolate Sk- sauce, skipped, cream skipped everywhere. the right, we skipped right past the sprinkles and went straight to minefields. <laughs> Which ended up not being a big deal. Did you use those with chocolate syrup or not? Oh yeah. Uh, I like my minefields with with uh with whipped cream. So, anyway, back on some sort of whatever. Wherever we are. So, Rick's German army had to go through the Forlorn, Forlorn Hope Theater Selector, which is in the book, and Jesse was going from Operation Bagration, which is actually in his army book. Yep. Oh, so that's already in your army book. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, actually, they, you know, uh, in each of these campaign, or each of these little sectors, they have they actually will list, they have some new theater selectors in here, and they also list the theater selectors from the, the relative army book that are applicable to these scenarios as well. Yeah. So in, in this case, mine is new. We went through a lot of the units yesterday that, we actually, that I can actually take. Um, yesterday, wasn't it just like 10 minutes ago? Oh, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Three, three minutes ago. No. Um, so basically, I have to take two here grenadier squads, and then I can choose from any of those, the penal squads or the Feldgrenamarie squads. Not so easy, is it? Straff Battalion, or <laughs> I can't read this last one. It's hard. It is actually hard. I can get better at that one because that one's pretty good. 
the Ostropin squads, which I didn't take any of. So my list was basically, I think, two two squads of the uh, the Penal Squad, and then a unit of the Feld, Feldgrenomarie squad, and then a couple here Grenadiers, and then a Panzer Four, I think, is what I had. I had a couple other things in there, too. If I re- recollect, that's pretty much everything. Oh, no, I had a Puma in there, too, didn't I, Jesse? Yes, you did. It's a Puma. Yeah, a Puma. It's not a Puma. It's not a Puma. And- it was because I was actually because I was actually playing a scenario or a, a theater selector that it was called out as one of the choices, so I was like, "Heck yeah, I'm taking it. It's painted." Yep. And you had your uh, veteran. Oh the, yes, I had my my here pioneers, unit. my one veteran unit that I got to take. <laughs> I do yeah. believe that's what. Yeah, that was also part of the theater selectors that I'm allowed to take one one uh, veteran squad. Which would be the Sturm Pioneer. Yep. Yeah, I could have one selected from a here Grenadier, a veteran header Grenadier squad, the Fielding, the Feld Jagger Corps. I butchered the shit out of that one. That's the veteran version of the the cop guys, and then the Sturm Pioneers. So So I could get one of those. You were disallowed any veteran infantry teams. Correct. That was part of the no veterans Guns, rule. Units or transports or tow options. Right. Yep. Nothing but nothing. I can have a. I could have a veteran unit. One veteran unit. So, so and Jesse, what's what's in what's in your selector? It's in your book for crying out loud. Operation uh, Bagration. Let's see. I've got. Well, obviously, you had the T thirty four eighty five. Yep. So I could choose between the T-34, 85, and the 76. I, ch- I chose the, the bigger gun because I figured that Rick was going to bring some armor against me. Um, the IS-2 is in there as well. Um, SU, or the ISU-122. Most of the, the big uh, tank hunter... Um, Tanks are in there. Um, are in that in that platoon selector, yeah. or that theater selector. Yeah. Uh, but what I ch- what I chose with my 500 points was an inexperienced second lieutenant with uh, extra dude, two 11 man guard squads, just rifles, and then the T34 85. And that put me at 497. So. Oh, and then I got the free squad. Oh, and then the free squad. <laughs> well, Le- it left me with five order dice, which is decent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in this scenario, all of your units were fanatic. Yes. Which gives you a little bit of extra. Uh, three points a moment. Which adds up when you're Soviets. It yeah. does. Um, so essentially, the scenario was you had three bunkers on the table, and yep. my goal was to take at least two of them. Correct? Oh, no, yes. there were objectives next to the bunkers. I'm sorry. Right, so he, there's a six-inch road right down the middle, and so it's kind of like to represent the town stuff and then some townish sort of scatterings. And Soviet picked his side, got to place these three bunkers, now, mind you, they were the bunkers from the scenario, so they were only minus three instead of the usual minus four, just because of the 
you know, end of the war, ruined, sort of hastily erected stuff. And then he had to place three objectives anywhere in his table half. He wisely put him right next to his bunkers where his guys are going to be sitting. Yeah, in hindsight, I would have put my middle objective closer to my T-34, which was dug in. Or or move your T-34 closer to that one. I I think uh, fully understanding the dug-in rules at the beginning of the game might have been a little more useful, too. Yeah, it would have helped. Kind of, kind of lets you down on that one. I was just too excited to play. Too excited <laughs> to watch you guys play and just new book must use it. Just do stuff. Well, you're not the only one to blame. I was pretty excited too. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I also didn't. I like. I don't know how many times I asked Dale, who was like fingering through the book in the corner, um, how do these night fight rules work or dawn attack fight rules work? Because I'm like, I'm not familiar with these, and there's like all sorts of modifiers. And then the first turn I roll up the puma on and I try and shoot and then I'm like he's like, Oh yeah, you're way too far away. I'm like Yeah, you like didn't even have a chance. No, I there was like zero chance that I could actually do it. It's, but as soon as I shot my gun, it made me in range of your shit. So yes. I was like, Well, why would I have ever done that? Well and then we even had that wrong because if you ever found out not to be in range you wouldn't have fired. Oh that's true, that's a good point too. Yeah. So that I think that marker was out for a while, and then we took it back off after Jesse had a chance to shoot at you. You know. Yeah. You know. It was all pretty hilarious. <laughs> That's just kind of the way we were. I'm rolled. like, what the hell, man? I'm like, I asked, I asked for these rules because I can't look at the book right now. And come on, man, tell me what they are, <laughs> please. Pretty please. I don't. It felt like I was getting held on to here. Well, he was more excited about reading through the book than helping you at that moment. But very much true. Well, I, I, come on. Right. I can't really blame him for that, other than the fact that I'm like, I really need to know what the hell I'm doing here, because I need to know how close I need to be to make this happen. So just since we touched on it, let's, uh, see, told you we touched on stuff. The, the dug-in rules is any unit that can starts on the table and defensive and has the dug-in rule is always considered down. Yeah. Uh, they don't ever, dug-in vehicles don't ever get to move. But they always count as being down. Well, so they always count as being uh, in hardcover, and they dismiss the immobilized damage result for crew stunned. Which is awesome. That is huge, actually. Yes. Yeah, so there's no double immobilized because hey, you know what? They they buried the treads. It was started immobile. So, right. They kind of know what they're doing. And which didn't, is, it, uh, didn't it also get another negative two? Yeah. Isn't it considered in hardcover, hardcover too? Yep. I said that. Oh, you said hidden, or no, uh, always considered down. Always con- the unit is always considered down. Vehicles always count as being in hardcover. Right. Again, which is awesome. Minus two hit is always awesome. Yeah, it's a big deal. Because vehicles can't go down. Normally. Right. Normally. They can get into hardcover, though. You just got to, like, wheel them up on it. Yes. Or dig them in a hole, apparently. Well, yeah. So... So Jesse placed his tank in such a way that I I literally couldn't do shit to it. Yeah, I put it smack dab <laughs> in the middle of the board. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many damn rounds I couldn't I couldn't even see it half the time for the first three or four turns. Well, it was also an eight turn scenario. Yeah. Which was important to note. Um But I yeah, like seriously I would try and shoot you and I was I'd be two inches away. I couldn't even touch you. I think the was... first three rounds we were playing in night, and then by turn four, but then 
with the Puma and the Panzer IV, you were shooting, but you just couldn't hit. Yeah. Took me way too damn long. Did I, did I even get your tank? No. I didn't think so. It's right, because I started moving things away and started doing other things with my tank. So, so essentially, because your T-34 was dug in and couldn't move, essentially my plan was to go around both of the other sides and leave that middle one kind of alone. And that's Which basically was, what ended up happening. And it was very good strategy. Yeah, well, you had a giant fucking dug-in tank. I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to get anything there. So just went around it instead as, as it seemed to work better for me in the long run. Hey, you know what works really good on dug-in tanks? I mean, like, really good? Flamethrowers? I hear with... flamethrowers might work really well, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and guys with anti-tank grenades. Yeah, they don't. They can work. They're just kind of pricey for what they do, depending on how many guys you have, I guess. Mm. However, you know what works really well with a, a, what a, a flamethrower does pretty well at, too? Assaulting bunkers. Yeah, that it does. You would think. You unless would think. you roll a two. Provided you, you, you and then run out of ammo. The tank. <laughs> unless you're me, in which case I don't do shit with them. And then I think I ran out of gas. Yeah, yes. I did run out of gas, didn't I? Yeah, you, you sure missed did. and then ran. You, you rolled two ones. You missed and then ran out of gas. Yep. <laughs> well, that was your actual flamethrower team. Then you had yes. the flamethrower in the Pioneer Squad. I have two? No, yeah, I think two. that was the same one. I think that, that was, was the, the same, same one. one. I think it was the same one. Like a 15-year-old on a first date. It was awful. It was. <laughs> he actually started the, fi- the truck on fire before he even got out of it. Um. Yeah, so I, to talk about this, I don't, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened in the scenario. We played a game after this, and we didn't, I didn't take very good notes. Essentially, you had an inexperienced squad in the middle, yep. and you had two regular veteran units in each of your other bunkers. Two regular. Two regular. He didn't have the points it, for veteran. He had to no. buy the silly T-34. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So you basically had 250 points to deal hey, way with. Way to stick historic there, Jesse. It's very nice of you. Yeah. Thank you for half that burp, whoever that was. Pavel Rack. Thanks, you. <laughs> Which was the T-34 tank commander, apparently. Okay. And then, so basically, I had I had numbers. So I drove my Pioneer squad up the right flank, and I basically sent a whole bunch of other troops to the, to the left flank and then kind of played this game of I can't see your tank for half the game with my tank and my Puma. And then finally I said, screw it, I don't need to worry about the tank, and drove my my tank and my Puma around the corner and basically started trying to... You, you finally played Germans and went around the French wall defense line. Yeah, right? <laughs> yep. I was trying to deal with the T-34, but it just it wasn't, wasn't working. No, well, the, there was an objective behind it, and I was trying to make it so I could get to it eventually. But as it was, I, I shifted enough of the other stuff to make it worthwhile or not be a big deal, so... I can win a game when I'm up a thousand points. Apparently, <laughs> uh, you almost didn't. I know. Oh, it was it was not a it was not an easy win. It was not a decisive victory. Jesse held on, and I think it was I think one or two thought processes the other way, and you you wouldn't have been able to have done everything you did. Pretty close. I think it was. You're right. It wasn't. It wasn't like oh, this is easy easy cake for me. Like. Having bunkers, having units and bunkers next to objectives that I have to, I basically have to take the yeah, units out of the bunker. The, I have to get the bunkers broken before anything happens. Yeah, because my infantry squads were, you know, at minus four, so super sixes 
to for you to even hit them. Yeah. Now, now granted, Jesse, you do, you only had a window on on two sides of those bunkers, so you're only getting to shoot out with four guys. So you're not doing a whole lot to him. There's very defensive position. Yeah. Not very assaulty at all. Yeah, you're not. But but in Jesse's case, in this circumstance, really all he's hoping for is that his guys survive. Like he just needs his guys to be on the objective after at turn eight, and that pretty much is uh, that's that's game in his favor. Yeah, once that flamethrower went out, it was pretty much. I I should have just stayed back in the bunker, and let you assault me. Go on even, you know. One on one. I, I was gonna say, I still think I win that fight with that unit because they had six six SMGs in that unit, and they're veteran. Yeah, I know you're fanatic, but yeah. Well, I think I win, but I don't know if I win by enough to make a difference. I've it's played Dale enough times that yeah. I've you, realized... had to, you had to claim all three objectives there too, Rick. Not just two of them. Oh, then I lost. No, you, no, you got all. You, you got all three. You got all three. Oh, it's because your T-34 wasn't in range of that. Yeah. Correct. No, my, my free squad was there. So the I can't... it wasn't. In the center, yes, it was. He, I like turtles. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently we didn't read the rules. <laughs> or didn't remember them halfway through. Yeah, well, I mean, because in reality, I had units on that left flank not doing anything that should have been moving up and taking care of that then, but... I just kind of left them over there because I'm like, these don't matter. Yeah, you kind of focused on the two, the two flanks, and that's how it, that. That's. <laughs> that, that's yeah. exactly what it sounded like too. <laughs> Pretty much, there weren't any dog bombs though. So sorry, I've got a very agitated bug here tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, you know, we, we we can have other guest speakers. That's fine. <laughs> It's so, nice when they share. Uh, it's nice when they share microphones too. So, all right. So, final thoughts on the scenario. Was it was it interesting playing kind of a historical? You know, it was very lopsided. We didn't use all the lopsided rules again because I was just too excited to get things rolling and keep reading through the book. Um, and we we kind of had mentioned those before this in the last segment about what kind of the the three to one advantage, the out of ammo out of. Uh, fuel type scenarios. We didn't do any of those. That probably would have made a difference. I think this game would have been really fun at a 1,000, 3,000 point thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And and I think that's something to keep in mind if if anyone's picking up this book is that uh, I felt it before when you told me I was going to be down you know, 3 to 1 in points. And I know Jesse felt probably the same way, but I think at the end of the day, I feel like the scenario kind of evened it out. I, I and it may, it may even doubt even more if we'd followed every rule to the letter. So while it might seem disappointing, I think people need to give it a try. Don't, don't just be like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to be down so many points. Or don't try and change it to like, let's make this even because I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, even after uh, someone... Preparatory bombardment, my junior lieutenant <laughs> off the board. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Rick, Rick <laughs> forgot about got that. a preparatory bombardment, and it actually did something and, like, literally removed, like, a, a, a fifth of Jesse's order dice. 
yeah, took one off. Yeah, even being down as much as many order dice as I was, it it definitely did not feel uh, as much of a lopsided in your favor, um, especially because of the bunkers being minus four and having army wife fanatic. Well, and I think for the the first two or three turns, you could have finished your dinner while he was moving into <laughs> position. Really, probably. Yep. Yeah. Actually, you could have ordered a pizza, had it delivered, and then eaten it, and then you guys would have been in the fray. Well, <laughs> to be fair, you put all of his... He got a lot of his dice early, and he put them all into ambush, waiting for me to put up a juicy target. That and then right. left and then, him in ambush. And then you left him in ambush because you realized that night fight, or the dawn attack rules were in effect, and you couldn't see anything anyway. Yep. Well, it, you know, I think at the beginning of the game, I looked at Jesse and said, you know what, this is going to be a lot of Rick moving his Germans on the table. Yeah. That's probably the biggest disappointment is that I probably, I'm playing more of the game than Jesse is, but otherwise I feel like it was a fair fight. Yeah. So that's, I kind of, that was my perspective on it is like, it didn't feel entirely lopsided in a sense that Jesse didn't have a ch- chance in hell in winning. So. No, and again, I was a couple moves away from grabbing one of the, the my left, your right objective back. Yep. So at the end of the day, it was actually really balanced for yeah. both sides. So it, the, the actual aftermath of the historical scenario was that the, the Russians held out for 16 hours before the German forces finally overwhelmed them. Sounds about right. That's about how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, guys. Way to stay with history. Yay, history. Yay, history. We like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then we move into the other one. And this is a little bit weird because this is, we we also, again, probably broke the scenario a little bit um, because the scenario did not tell me I could use the one that I used, but I did it anyway, apparently. Um, So I picked another theater selector, which was the Panzer Fifth Division. I'm not sure if this is a reprint from somewhere else, but it I don't is think not. I've, it is not. I don't think I've seen it. So here's kind of why that why that happened because you guys, after you got done with the game, were looking through the book and saw a couple of theater selectors that you kind of wanted to play, and I was going to try and find a scenario that had those in them, but you know, for the sake of flavor and you know our, our podcast here, I wanted to get something out of Operation Berlin. So I kind of sure. kind of square peg round hold that stuff to to kind of come up with something, and we also kind of wanted to do uh, an, an armored platoon. Yeah, that was the big thing. Was like we wanted to get in a tank war game. Um, Since apparently that's becoming all the rage. Well, I think I had a blast playing it. So. I absolutely had a blast. Yeah. Uh, as it stands, so the Panzer V, as you as we've already said, was a tank platoon. I had all sorts of options. I had to have a, a, a Panther or a Panzer IV, and then I had to have, it was a required two more Panthers or Panzers. They, like So not like a zero two. We I had to have a minimum of three tanks in this platoon. Which yep. is so, accurate for an armored platoon. Sure, yeah. And I, like just It's kind of like normally you, you don't have to. Well, I guess it is normal. You're right. Um, 
2000. I could have had three Panthers. But you had specific tanks you had to select yes. from for it, is what right. you're saying. Yeah, so I had, a, I had a very limited subset of tanks that I had to pick from. I had to basically pick three really big tanks or three medium big tanks. So as it was, I picked three Panzer IV Aus-G, which is my kind of like go-to tank anyway. And then um, then some Panzer Grenadier squads who obviously have to have transport, so all of mine came with, uh, I brought them with the, how do you say it, Stu de Fook? <laughs> how do you even say that? Uh, what did you do to Stu? I, I just pooped my pants. Uh, the two point two fifty, the Hanno Mag. There we go. That's the one I can say because that's almost Americanized. <laughs> I like so, the Stu de Fook better. Stu de Fook sounds like something I like. Ferris Bueller. Kinda, probably close enough. So I got a couple units of that, and then just date myself uh, a little bit with that reference in that movie. Eh, I think you're probably right at home with the, everyone that we play this game with. Anyway, uh, and then I had a Pioneer Squad with a truck. And an MMG. That, so that was basically, it, it's basically a s- super select tank platoon. Gives you a couple cool options, but that's really the big ones right there is that you don't get a lot of options as far as tanks go. Yeah, and we played about 2,000 points? Yep, 2,000 aside. Okay. This was an even battle as far as we could tell. Yes. And then uh, what did what did you end up bringing, Jesse? Did you bring a new a new a new uh, theater selector? Yes, the fifty third uh, guards battalion. Okay, I believe is is that correct, Pat? That sounds right. I was actually I'm just looking at the picture. That I just was correct. looking at it. Guards, somebody or another. Sure, we can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me. Yeah, no, it's the uh, yeah. That's sorry, one fifty third guards tank brigade theater selector. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I think you're just missing brigade, and otherwise you had it all. All right. So that was a T-34-85 as my command tank. That's the only it's the only option I could have. Um, I took uh, radio networks because I had to take another two T-34-85s as my core uh, selection. And then I was able to take pretty much pretty open-ended um, zero to two tanks, um, T-34s, SUs. I, I take it neither one of you actually read the Tank Wars uh, rule supplement. The the rule book. Yeah, because you get a bonus for taking three of the same vehicle. Yes, I can buy a radio network. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw it. I didn't take it. Okay, I, <laughs> I, I just heard the three, you know, three T thirty fours. I'm like, you get something special for that. Yeah, um, Russia did not have very many radios. So... Right, which is why most why most of your stuff is actually supposed to have a penalty. Yes, or a a, a point deduct. Yes, I'm right, allowed to would. take um, a six inch range at minus ten points. Or using flags. <laughs> oh God! Don't use flags. No, I I opted to spend the thirty points for the radio network. Um, okay. So then I took two uh, regular T thirty four seventy sixes and uh, two tank rider squad veterans 
body armor. They rode the T-34 76s. Uh, a veteran squad with 11 guys. So you didn't have to worry about a transport for them. Nice. Nope. Nope, they didn't. They just could ride on the tank. And the uh, scenario, weren't you supposed to take at least at least one, or was it two that you kind of were supposed to take for that? Um, I, uh, it was zero to four of uh, veterans, guards, tank riders. But, uh, if I remember right, your tank riders might have had some extra kit. Well, they had body armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Don't forget that. Jeez. Oh yeah! Just the giant thing that like a little extra protection roll. No big deal. Yeah. Freaking impossible to kill. And then I took a veteran squad, uh, 11, 11 guys with uh, two Panzerfausts and tough fighters. Uh, they rode in a truck, a free rifle squad, flamethrower team with the ROKS-2, which is the, uh, your opponent cannot exceptionally damage out the flamethrower. Cheating. They were wait, also wait, wait, what's that right. called? The ROKS. I, I don't think they exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rodent's unusual size. Oh yeah, shoot, I always get those confused. <laughs> They're very close, R-O-U-S's. Oh. Well, second, second 80s reference here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah, there you go. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Anybody want a peanut? Or we can go all night. Yes, we, we probably could. <laughs> they I think were, just named all my favorites. So being veteran and having the ROKS-2 made them pretty difficult to... Pretty difficult? <laughs> I, I don't think I killed a one of them. Yeah, you killed the team. I, I okay. I'm surprised I did, considering how it was rolling. So, um, yeah, those guys pretty much ruined my day. Well, those guys didn't ruin my day. They, they weren't fun, but they weren't the thing that ruined my day. No. Uh, so I'm alluding to the fact that I may have lost this scenario. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a pretty hearty loss. But anyway, yeah. I took three trucks, um, two with. Pistol-mounted MMGs, which did nothing. And then, okay. to fill out the rest of my points, I took an anti-tank rifle team, which shits and giggles. did not much. Nope. So they, they got across the halfway point. But they sound <laughs> awesome. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't need them at that point. Actually, you probably maybe could have done something with them. But at that point, it didn't matter. When you pulled him out of the truck, it was kind of over at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and I remember now, I think I, I only had two Panzers and I had a Panther, right? No, you had three. I thought I had a Panther. Yep. You had three but I only, I, I only dug in two, or did I have three Panzers and a Panther? You had three Panzers and a Panther. Okay, all right, that's right, all right. You that's... dug in all three Panzer fours. Yep. In the, between, so it's a three-road <laughs> setup. I think we're going to take a little break here. Hold on a second, Jesse. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Mark that. Here, I'll raise my hand. Whee! Thanks. Raising yeah, my 47. Hand. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, like, that's an unhappy child. Apparently, the, apparently, Pat shouldn't have said a damn thing yeah, about it. Everyone's shit great sleepers here. Yep. That's called jinxing the shit out of yourself. Right? <laughs> Good word. 
At least he could have mute, muted the microphone. I thought he was wondering about that. He's like, mm, fuck it. Well, it makes things more interesting for us. Right? Can't argue that. They uh, they released the rule book for season two of Pandemic Legacy, Jeff. Oh, yeah? Yep. I'm super excited about this. They show the game. They show the game board too. Oh shit! It's I don't know tiny. if I want to look or not. It might be spoilerish. No, I don't think it is. They show a very limited amount of stuff. Um, it's pretty tiny. Well, maybe. But I'm it's interesting <laughs> because there's a whole bunch of blue area on the board where I'm like, huh, what's going to happen there? Uh huh. So there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be stickers and shit or something. Like, they're, uh, I'm not going to say, I don't know, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but. Well, oh, interesting. Well, there are certain things that you're kind of like, what the hell's going on? Because there are no, there's an cure area. Interesting. As far as I can tell, there isn't a, like the normal pandemic, four colors, and, uh, you know, like, get all of this, get a cure type thing. Mm -hmm. I don't see it on the board. Yeah, should be very, pretty freaking interesting then, Jesus. I don't, yeah, I don't... The story's interesting. It's like 71 years ago, the world almost died, and then we're starting over from here. Oh, so like you guys played through. <laughs> right, kinda. Did you guys switch podcasts on me? No, we figured we'd stop while oh. you were... If you had needed your microphone, we would have kept going, but Baby was crying too oh. loud that we could hear it. Sorry. You got it's a very okay. good microphone. Yeah, your microphone's too good. It, it was actually even behind it. It shouldn't even pick... Oh, it must have bounced off the wall and then picked up. I don't know. It was getting loud. But so we, we just took a little break and... Yeah, she's a little pissy and... Yeah, you had to say something about... Uh, Everybody's a good sleeper here. <laughs> well, she's at the tail end of the cold, and of course... Yeah, you know, no, I know. Actually, about this time, anywhere between here and 10, she kind of wants to eat, so... Sure. Do you need to? Do we need to wrap this up real quick here, then? Or uh, No, I woke up the wife because she promised she would do it, but she was out cold. Oh, oh man. Had to, like, wake her up. Oh, yeah. man. So, um... Yeah, I'll piss pay, her off. I'll pay for that later. Yeah, let's, let's yeah I think done. you might. We're Sorry. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, so where were we, Jesse? We were talking about your flamethrower. Well, let's let's talk about the uh, scenario. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, it was scenario twelve, tank hunter, tank hunting. By the yep. way, if we hadn't mentioned that part. Yep, and and by the by the scenario itself, I was supposed to be running the extended uh, last levy with some extra special rule about, I don't even, it was called something about tank hunting. Yeah. I think that's what it was called. It was, yes. There, so, <laughs> so I didn't get any of this, but my special rules, but I also got to take a tank platoon, so I guess that kind of evens things out as far as... You were supposed to have gotten some minefields, too. I, I did get the minefields. Okay. Yep, no, I got that. I wish I had had a third one because I would have used some of the shenanigans. As it was, I ended up taking two anti-vehicle ones, which were uh, good. <laughs> well, the one did a lot of work, the other one not so much. Yeah, right. One kind of, yeah, so 
So for those unfamiliar, I don't know if that's actually in one of the other books, but the, in the back of this one, you can trade any of your tank, any of your minefields for a different type of minefield. And one of the options is an anti-vehicle one. So any unit that goes over it does nothing. If the tank, if a tank goes over it and it actually triggers, it's plus five pen, I believe. So it's it's nasty against vehicles. It's gross. Don't well, want to like. That's why they call it an anti-vehicle minefield, right? It's yeah, yeah, but it's it blows shit up pretty quick. And which yes, is kind it, of fun. it is plus two versus infantry and plus five versus vehicles. Yep. Yeah. Whereas the normal minefields are plus plus two versus infantry, plus three versus vehicles. Yeah, but infantry aren't trigger don't trigger on that minefield. Oh, okay. Right. That's the difference. Is that the only thing that gets affected by it are vehicles because it's it's meant to trigger on big vehicles. The pressure sensors also, are heavier. Right. Exactly. Oh. So, I took two of those. So the the scenario was three roads. That ran from my side, table edge to Rick's table edge. Yep. And it, anything that would, and then there was one that went the long way, in the exact center of the board. Yeah. Yep. Um. And so anything that wasn't on a road was rubble. Oh dear Lord! I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why I picked this scenario because I like this. I wanted to see how the special rule worked out because it was a new one. So, right, this is the rule we were alluding to earlier about city fighting. So, yeah, right, is that what the rule is called? It's called city fight. No, it's think? called rubble. Well, it's a rubble chart, but I think it's the city fight rules. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, it's city fighting because it has it has more than just rubble. Is not the only thing in there, but. Um, yeah, so oh my, gross. <laughs> any any infant, infantry squad that you're firing on that's in that area, if they haven't acted or are were down or in ambush, had a negative three to hit. Yep. Yowzers. And it, so it's always counted as like better than hardcover as long as they didn't have a fire advance or run order on them essentially. Yeah. So it. Those units were, but even like, but even if you ran or advanced, you were still at negative one, right? And you couldn't technically run because it was all rough terrain, right? So yes. everything could only ever move six inches in there, and that was everywhere on this in this particular scenario. They actually clearly call out anywhere that's not a road is considered rough terrain, or has the city fight rules. So there's more to the city fight rules that we should go through because that was. That's the first part of it is that it counts as hardcover for infantry. But it also, any tracked like vehicle and it has to roll on a chart, and the, hard, the, the heavier the tank is, the worse it gets. Yeah, like, a negative one blows up the tank? Yeah, it's a, I think it's something like that. It's, oh, it's, it's a, so negative. Do we, do we want to go through that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, let's go through that while we're in here. So it was a city fight Actually, scenario. I'm guessing I was going pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a one or two it dies, or no, it's a no. one it dies. I think. Okay, so movement and rubble. Rubble counts as rough ground for movement purposes, but offers additional perils for tracked vehicles moving across it. Tracked vehicles attempt to pick their way across irregular mounds of bricks and concrete space, slide sideways, billowing out, or even crashing into cellars, sewers, or other hidden things below. So the tracked vehicle has to move across. It has to roll a. D6, and if it's a heavier super heavy, it has a minus two modifier to the roll. 
Light or medium have a minus one. Inexperienced crew is an additional minus one. A veteran crew will add one to it. So, on the result of a zero is a crash. The vehicle crashes through the rubble into a cellar and the vehicle is removed and counts as destroyed. Bye-bye. Thanks for playing. Whoops. Yep. Or yep. a, a one-two is bellied. The vehicle becomes temporarily mobilized uh, by a protruding obstacle pushing against its belly armor, preventing the traction from gripping. Roll another die to determine how how far the vehicle actually moves across the rubble this turn before it becomes immobilized until its next activation. Any shooting at the vehicle from the front that rolls natural six will hit the exposed belly armor, counts as rear armor, and the vehicle can attempt to move across the rubble next turn. Three to four. It only slipped. Vehicle moves a short distance before slipping awkwardly sideways or backwards. Roll another die to determine how far the vehicle actually moved across the rubble. This vehicle can, can attempt to move across the rubble field next turn. Five to six is just a crunch. With its engines roaring and treads clattering, the vehicle is free to move across the rubble without any incidents this turn. So, Jesse, which which dice rolls did we experience? We experienced the slip. That was probably the common one, where yep. I would just roll the d6, and then that's how was, as far as I go. But my d34, 76, which survived through the minefield and got to, I think, nine inches of your table edge. Yeah, and I think, what did I put in front of you? Did I put the puma in front of you? Yeah, you put the, no, it was the Hanumag. Oh, it's right. I had the anti anti cannon or the anti tank Hanomag. Yes. And put that in front of you. Yeah, that's right. And so I had to go around the first two times. I just slipped. I think I only went six inches total, but not enough to get around your Hanomag. And the last time I rolled a one, which is a one minus one for being a medium armor, is a zero. <laughs> so. so I ended up crashing. And blowing up. <laughs> nice. Oh. Nine inches. Well, not for you, but at, I was really, yeah, I was kind of hoping. For at, at, once that happened, it was already oh. over at that point. Like Jesse had already pretty much smoked me. So wow. it was. It, it's a really interesting set of rules. It's. It's rough. It is rough. Even it is rough ground. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, he had to blast. He blew up one of my units, and you know, I had a destroyed marker on the table. If he hadn't killed my unit, he might have been able to do it without having me. No, probably not, because I was kind of, kind of, roadblocking you there. Uh, the other part of the the rule that you guys had alluded to is shooting in the rubble. So with a bunch of hiding places, basically there's, so, um, for models inside the rubble, the following modifiers apply instead of normal minus two hard cover. If there's no orders and ambush are down, it's a minus three to hit. Fire or rally orders minus two. Advance is a minus one. So there's always some cover modifier just for being around this rubble. That's that's really frustrating, I think, to shoot through. Yes. Yeah. Well, in the... In, it, in all fairness, you can only ever advance across all these rubble, and the open ground yeah. is, like, very limited. Right. It's very limited as far as, like, I think, I think Jesse might have felt the pressure on that because you kind of were getting stuffed up. Yes. Uh, several times where you're like, I wish I could keep moving forward, but there's, I, I have stuff in front that's not moving forward. What what table did you guys play on? What kind of setup did you have? We if we followed the scenario, kind of, the, there's a setup in the scenario that they recommend, and I think we tried to okay. follow that as much as we could with what scenario we had. As it turns out, our middle road was a river, but we just treated it like a road. Ah, the yeah, well, we ran out of road pieces, road. so we yeah, 
the important thing to call out about that rubble chart, though, is that if you're down, it's cumulative with down, which actually makes you a negative five. Yep, you're right. Thank you. Like that's a that's a that's nasty. Like your your stuff isn't going to ever get hit. So. Yeah, it saved my bacon a couple times. Right. Did the Russians have bacon? I'm sure they did. I think so. For a while. Who doesn't have bacon? <laughs> bacon. Uh, there's Some lots of people. Bacon. I wasn't gonna. I'm not gonna make any jokes about that. Not you, touching that one. No, you got Don't to worry, deploy what, half your forces. No. Out. What was that, Jesse? I believe you ha you were able to deploy half your forces out. Correct. I had to deploy half of my units on the table. And I was allowed to have any number of tanks in dug in, dug in stay, like on my half of the board. So I put the three Panzer fours. I forgot. I I think I mentioned my list earlier, and I forgot about Panther. So I had a Panther and three Panzer fours, And I put the three Panzer fours in dug-in state. Uh, let's, let's go step back a second. There were three, it's basically three channels you were going to come through to basically get to my side of the table. So I put a minefield on two of them. And then basically assume, like, you know, didn't assume, but I, you know, I kind of focused my fire on the one lane that didn't have a, didn't have a minefield on it. Which was, I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but. It, it um, seemed pretty right to me. Yeah, well, other than other than what happened with my Panzers, maybe like maybe I should have not put them like within. They they felt like they were a shish kebab. Like all three of them just got burnt to shit in one turn, um, or two turns. I don't remember. It, they all went away pretty quick. Other than that, everything seemed pretty good. So, um, where was it going with that? I have no idea. <laughs> I, missed, I missed your cliff notes, so no idea. So yeah, I, I'm... yeah. Between, so it was my center and my right hand side. You had minefields on, and my left side yep. was open. And your Panzer fours were between my left and the center. Correct. Uh, which pretty much made me go. Well, if I have to get through this, I'm going to have to go through the left hand. What's the book scenario where you're getting where uh, double envelopment? Yep. Essentially, yeah. Yep. Over all rough ground. Other than the roads, of course. Right. Yeah, so yeah, essentially you got, I got two points for every unit I destroyed, and you got three points for every unit you got off. Two points for every unit you got in my deployment zone, correct? It's it, something like that, and then one point for every unit you kill of mine. Uh, it follows the standard double envelopment, so yeah. seven out of the book, yes. So, so I think that's... So it, the defender gets yeah. a point for kills. I don't think correct. the attacker does. I think oh. the attacker just gets points for okay. getting off. I'm back. Hey, wait, I have a book. Oh, Jesse just dipped and came back? Oh, okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. so so I'm essentially it's following the, the standard double envelopment rules. Yes. If you're not familiar with those, I recommend you read your bolt action book. Yeah, I think that's probably a better way of doing that anyway. So but other than us describing it, you might as well just go read it. But the big difference between this and the normal double envelopment 
is that there were really Thanks. only three channels to attack. Yeah. So. So having played two scenarios out of the campaign book Road to Berlin out of 14 available scenarios, are you guys Jeez. interested in playing more of them? Yeah. I, I definitely would. I'd love to have more of the units that are actually in some of these theater selectors. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to like release units like they did with the whole uh, Sea Lion thinger. Well, we've seen at least one of them as of late. Uh, so the 10th birthday bash is this last weekend, uh, and I've seen some pictures online of, of people posting stuff on Facebook. Okay. The, so- the the believe the I can't I don't remember what it is off the top the of my head. Squads Our, of the dogs. No, the the German tank riders. They have a unit for the German tank riders actually riding on a stoop now, okay. which actually looked they looked amazing, like like a great model. Like so, they actually have dudes riding on top of one of these tanks, which I think is pretty rad. Yeah, those look good. Uh, that I, book has rules, official rules now for my Luke Sturm, the the uh, Puma with the Luke's turret on it that I have. Oh, nice. Okay, they finally did it. Yeah, so that's in the ba- that's okay. in the back of, of the book too, which is awesome. So, I'm stoked cool. about that. Yeah. No. So, I I imagine we might see some models. I'm kind of, I'm not sure what we'll see or I I don't know. We I did I did look through every page of the book looking to see if there were new models in there. And I did not see any. So, oh, as far as the pictures are concerned. Yeah, like as far as their graphics, I thought maybe there would be some nuggets of new models in there. I don't know if that's an indication that there won't be new models. Uh, actually, speaking of speaking of additional units, did we touch on the Russian ones that, uh, or did we save those for Jesse to be? Here? Oh, that's right, we did. We, so we did have we, the NKVD. Did we, it or did we actually save it for Jesse because he was really excited about them? We did save it. <laughs> saved it very, very. We saved it. See, yeah. Jesse, we do love you. <laughs> we could have easily talked about it, but we decided that it was probably more valuable for Jesse to to. Give his two cents on it. Do I actually need to open the page, or do you have them memorized? I, I kind of have them memorized, <laughs> but I'd open the page just to make sure. Sure. Uh, I'm not. There's so the Smirsh. The Smirsh. The Smirsh squads. The Soviet counterintelligence. Death uh, to spies. That is their motto. Yep. <laughs> So they're a five-man squad for 80 points. They're veteran. You can buy up to six more. Uh, they have rifles. Any of them can have SMGs. You can upgrade to an LMG for one dude. They're tough fighters, but here's the rule I know you remember and you like the best. Yes. Oh, is this the one I think it is? Yeah, They it is. get not one step behind. What? Not one step back. You're very back, close. Sorry. Why do we have you on here, Jesse? Jesus I'm doing <laughs> I'm it from kidding. memory. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just giving you crap. Help. Yeah. All right. We need a new Russian. So what is like? So what is the implication to... of that? Let's let's talk about that because maybe people don't remember our Russian episode that yes. you were on. So the not one step back is not only allows you to take a commissar, but it means that for the Schmersh squad, that any. Soviet infantry within six inches of them, they will automatically shoot one guy and make them re-roll their order check. Failed order check. Failed order. Failed order check. So it essentially makes this unit distinction. Yes. A commissar. Yes. Is what what I was okay. A commissar unit. Right. You have five commissars essentially instead of one 
do or eleven. Doing that. Or eleven. Okay. Whatever. You can spam whatever makes you happy. Pretty good. I mean, <laughs> yep. Five dudes that are five veterans. veterans. So basically, they're paying. So they're sixteen points each. Tough fighter we know is one, so they're kind of paying two points for the no one step back. I'd pay that. I think that seems reasonable. Who wouldn't? That seems like a good deal. Yeah. Seems like a great deal. It's, I mean, yeah. It's a lot harder smirch. to shift, too. A, a normal commissar is only inexperienced. Right. So these guys give you that extra toughness, plus you've got lots of bodies. Okay. And All right. The other squad is the second wave. And for the record, these are in the Struggle Continues section of the book. For those of us keeping score at home once you've got your book <laughs> and are listening to this podcast. Again, I presume. Uh, yeah, the second line NKVD squad. They're an experienced cheap guys. You can get five of them for 35 points with rifles. Why are they only 35 points? Well, they're green. You can add six at seven points each. Uh... All of them can be upgraded to SMGs, and you can also do the LMG upgrade. And they can be upgraded to Fanatics for three points a man. Green Fanatics. Someone explain that to me. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's, that's cheap fun is what that is, right? That is very cheap fun. Um, yeah, they were... I, I believe it's, they were the second... Or they were, they were just following behind the rent. The regular squads. That would be the second um, line part of it, yep. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Again, it's a Russian troop, so they're very accurately named. Yes. You know, rifle squad, SMG squad, ski squad, second line squad. But what do those guys do? Oh, they're behind the first line. Oh, yeah, sure. Makes sense to me. So, yeah. Seems reasonable. Green, fanatic, with rifles, or did you say they could take submachine guns? Yes. Here's an interesting note that they throw in here. So, a uh, great deal of resentment from the frontline troops who despise these thieving shirkers and helped encourage their own looting. Second line guys came in and without having to worry about fighting all the bullets and still got the booty. Those bastards. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much from what I read, from what I've read, the NKVD were not very, not looked upon very well, mostly because of the fact that they were part of the political wing and they didn't have to do a lot of the front. I still like that you can call the other unit the Smirsh. Smirsh. Is the is the sergeant of that squad Papa Smirsh? <laughs> he very well could be. Depends if he's got the big uh, was it the white hat with the red with the red. Skin and the the white beard, white beard. Gil- there you go. Oh yeah, that's Papa Smurf. I was thinking Gilgamesh, but <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the cat. No, no, no. That no, was the, the cat dude. was Azrael or whatever. Azrael. Yeah, yeah. You mean Gilgamesh Gargamel? is the guy. Wasn't it Gargamel? Gargamel. Gargamel. Gilgamesh is from uh, <laughs> a different. What is that from now? The epic poem of Gilgamesh. Yeah, there you go. That's the book that I've read. Freaking yeah. history. Get out of here. Uh, that's literature history. Don't ask me. Yeah, that's literature. We don't, we that's, don't want yeah, that. That's not really history even. It's just really old literature. Well, they don't have an entry for Schmerchette, so I wouldn't really worry about it too much. Which is funny because there's always that conspiracy theory that 
Oh, the Smurfs no. is basically an allegory stop. of communism. No, stop. <laughs> God. Hey, you know, if you look at blue Smurfs long enough, then you look at a white wall, they're red. So, yeah, they're communist. <laughs> I should No, they probably wouldn't be, actually. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just thinking of color, how, color theory. That wouldn't work. So is there anything else we'd like to cover? We I don't know. Are there any more units? I don't know. I, I don't remember. I didn't get a no. good chance to read through all the other no. units. We, we, so. we, we skipped over those four because we wanted Jesse to... Cause mm-hmm. He okay. saw those and he's just like... I think he lost distraction in that game for at least five minutes while he read that and said, right. what? Because we were like, hey, there's new units for you. Yeah. yeah. To kick yeah. his feet up and relax. And... Yeah. I really like the Schmirsch. The second... Lo- the second line are a good solid backup if to your mainline troops just basically like they were in history um, I could totally see using both we could talk about the mouse huh? yeah that's in this that? book too we did, we did we not we did not did we did you guys talk about the uh, special character uh, the sniper sniper chica yes yeah Okay. Yeah, we talked about her. Sorry, we didn't we didn't let you take all the thunder. I was excited about that one. I thought that one was pretty cool. Yeah, there yeah. were some cool ones in there. So they do add in uh, in the Operation Berlin. They do add some extra German units and stuff. Uh, fairly vanilla, but they but they do they do bring in the mouse, the Panzer Eight mouse. Yeah, the building on treads. Yeah, it was. It, and actually, it has a rule called the Mobile Fortress. So for a meager. 580 Neither. points regular. Jesus. You get a turret-mounted super-heavy anti-tank with a coaxial light howitzer and a pintle-mounted MMG. Eh. Yeah, that's, I've always thought that about the mouse. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's an 11-plus super-heavy tank, so what do you need to do to do anything to that? But it's, yeah. But wait, there's more. Oh, okay. Uh, it has tiger fear. Yep. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, I, I think that's mouse fear, actually. In this case, yeah. Uh, it's slow. Big shock. It yep. is a mobile fortress. To fulfill its role as a breakthrough tank, the mouse had extremely advanced heavy armor for its period. There is no penetration modifiers for hitting the mouse from the sides or top, and the penetration modifier for hitting the mouse in the rear arc is reduced to plus one. Not even as good as armored all around. Wow. Yeah. Right. Well, it's because they have a big fuel tank on the ass end. Yeah, I suppose, but still. And then they have some German word, which I'm going to do my best to say, and it looks like Gotterdamrung. The mouse would have only seen action in the last days of the Third Reich and probably suffered from technical issues and supply shortages. Roll a die every time the vehicle completes a move. On a one, it's broken down or out of fuel. Immobile the rest of the game. Two, broken down, fuel low. The vehicle may make one more move after this, then it runs out of fuel and is immobilized. Three plus. Okay, continues normal. Rolling again next move. Sounds about right, yeah. So, and it's got the 128mm KWAC 44. So, it's effective as at long range as it is as close, so it doesn't suffer the minus one pen. The coaxial light howitzer. Um, it's a coaxial light howitzer. Well, there's that. 
<laughs> if it had a so, rule that it could also fire in addition to the main gun, it would be a lot cooler. Right, right but it's still coaxial. And so it fired instead of the main gun, allows the mouse to do an indirect HE and four-inch smoke rounds. So a meager yeah. 580 points. Yeah, it's over, overpriced in my mind when you get all yep. those crazy rules with it. Like It's, it's not a Tiger Fear. It's not that much better than a Tiger 2, though. Right. I'd rather take a Tiger 2. That's what not else got has all a the crazy... What, what, let's see. Aside from the Firefly, what else has a super heavy mount to the tank? Uh, Tiger 2. Tiger does it 1. Does have a super heavy? Yeah. A super heavy? Anti-tank gun? Pretty sure Tiger 2 does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tiger 1 oh, does, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, Tiger 2. Tiger, Tiger 1, 1 does, I didn't too. think. Did it's it a super heavy. That is a super heavy in a tank gun. That's the big 88. Yeah. And so it does run? Tiger 1's only at regular. 555 for 2. That's a Tiger 2 at regular, yeah. Yep. Tiger 1 regular is not even that. I think it's like 400 and something. And are they 10 plus or 11 plus in the Tiger 2? Tiger 2 is 11. Tiger 1, I think, is 10. I'm going to just make sure. Yeah, we're going to look that up right now. But yeah, because yep, like, 580 is the regular list here on the on the mouse. I'm like 80% sure of the Tiger. Tiger 2, I think, is a, is an 11 plus with a plus 7 armor, or a plus 7 pen gun. Yep. And that's 555 or 666 points. Tiger 1, <sighs> I know, is a 10 plus with a super heavy anti-tank. Yep. Now they're so, not that's... they're not fortresses are armored all around though, so you will get the plus one to the side and the plus two to the rear. Sure. But whoop de doo. But you're paying considerably less for it and it's still You're not slow. Right. You don't have to worry about breaking down. You have a much nope. more useful coaxial MMG. Yep. And a whole this, MMG. This one has a pintle MMG. Yeah. So does the so does the tiger. Okay. Both so does the tiger. Both tigers have those too. Remember yeah. if you use a pintle, you're considered open open yep. for the next yep. for the rest of the round. Yep. So as you guys know that, I'm just throwing it out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So the mouse is kind of garbage. You pretty much play it because you'd be like, "Hey, I've got a mouse," which would be cool. And because I think that's in the last is that in the last last levy extended theater selector. If you want to be historically accurate, this thing better not be anywhere than the ruins of Berlin. Right. And even then, it's a question if they ever actually deployed one. Well, um. it's I've, <laughs> I've seen a picture that was supposedly. Uh, of destroyed mouse in that look like it yes, might have it gotten in the combat. Last levy selector. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the only way I would see it ever seen play. And those rules sound very similar, very familiar to the rules that they released with uh, when the mouse came out. Mm-hmm. And, and they do say that if you consider using this, consider that any operation mouse prototype would have fought during the dying days of the Third Reich. Yeah, it would have been very much last ditch. Yeah. Now, I, historically, so you said that was a Panzer Eight. So, is the Panzer Sevens are all of those just basically the Tigers and the Panthers? And they just recalled them something else. Uh, so, I help you on this one. The Panzer. Like I'm not familiar with a Panzer. You're 7. all good. Panzer Five is the Panther. Sure. Panzer yep. Six is the Tiger One. Panzer okay. Seven is the Tiger Two. Sure. Okay. That's what I assumed had to have happened, but they just call it. Got, new names. Yeah, well, the names sound more fierce. Tiger, Panther, King right. Tiger, Koenig's Tiger. You know, that sounds... It sound way scarier sure. than Panzer. Way scarier. Especially since they've been like, yeah, we've been dealing with Panzers since the beginning of this war, if not before. Yep. That's not very exciting anymore. Yeah, they got into the real big cat kick after uh, 
after the Panthers. <laughs> it's like what it's the like, hell's with the mouse? Did they got sick of cats and went the other way? Sort of a joke. Okay, sure. Did they even actually call? Yeah, it's kind of like calling a big dude tiny. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and to be fair, it, it's M A U S, which we all pronounce as mouse. Um, that that is the German word for mouse. In case you well, yeah. see, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it, it, shockingly enough, they actually. So, you know, so it took an Americanized word in. for me to translate a German word that, that's pronounced correctly. That's just how bad I am with my German. Yeah. I just assumed it was correct, but knew that's what that meant mouse. Yep. And that's where I'm at. Yeah. You enunciated yeah. Gotterdammer pretty well. I also do pretty good with that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, well, at least he tries. High school German. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I could do pretty good with, like, Jägermeister. Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> Nobody yeah. can do well with Jägermeister. Even if you can say it, that doesn't keep, mean you should be doing it. Keep it on ice, you do okay. Yeah. No. No, you're still not doing very well. No. It usually, usually means that it's going to be one of those nights. It's going to be one of those nights. Yeah. Why is, um, it, why is it all the German liquors that mean it's going to be one of those nights? Jägermeister, Goldschlager? Oh, Goldschlager! Yikes! Well, and and you don't say that about Jägermeister. No. I th- I think I put them in the same boat. Well, so. Anytime someone pulls out a bottle of either, I know where this night's going. So yeah, you're like, I'm just going to have the cops on speed dial here to make sure nobody does anything stupid. Right. Going to be stuck in a ditch naked, I imagine. Pretty much. <laughs> sure, I guess. Now that's a party. That's a party. Depends. That's an undergarment. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has devolved into a very different podcast. All of a sudden, this, is there is anything else? Of our night. So, so Jeff, have you gotten a good? You got. You had the book in your possession for a little while. What was your overall take on it? Did you like it? I think my overall take on it, and this isn't meant to cause offense to anybody, but every campaign book they've released since I've started playing this game has been better than the last. And that okay. and that has held true. This is better than, even better than Battle of the Bulge, which was better than, um, what was the last one I bought? For that? Duel in the Sun, I think. Did I miss one in there? Yeah. Well, those are theater books. Yes, you just kind of skip right over Sea Lion, which is okay because it's a very so different they Battle thing. of the Bulge, Sea Lion, Gigant, and then New Guinea. Gigant, Gigant, giant. Gigant, yeah. Right, the Nat or whatever it was. You're killing me. Um, I skipped over Sea Lion because, as far as I'm concerned, Sea Lion never happened. Sorry. Well, actually, it didn't. Right, it actually never happened. You're right. Or did it? Oh. Are we living? Oh man, is this a man in the high castle moment? Yeah. Don't go there. Stay on target. That's a good show. Stay on target. Stay on target. There's, there's no target at this point. Yeah. So I think we hit our target and completed the mission. Gone right through. Yeah. No, it's great. Yep. I really like it. It's got, it's got all that, uh, it's got all that good, meaty history part to it. It's got the bulk of the war, frankly, like. You know, if you want to find where everybody was really fighting at, this is this is the theater book for it. So, this and sure and Barbosa, as our our fearless leader likes to call it, are really where all the action is in the war. If you want to get down to it, sure in the in the this European is, theater. Yeah, this is this is the history that we as Americans don't learn. Well, actually, I was going to say we know about more than the other campaign books that have come out. No. I mean, we didn't know a whole lot about New Guinea and all that stuff that happened on the other side I, of the world I, and all I that did. part. We, that was hasn't really wasn't really well, taught to us. But 
I, I did, but... <laughs> well, you're, you're not most people, though, Jeff, to be fair. <laughs> I'm not? Damn. I'd say they cover pretty quick, pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like this is still kind of glossed over in our schools as far, or not schools, but in history in general, as far as an American goes. I, I found it to be very interesting and very fun to at least get to experience some of it in bolt action. So, um, yeah, I really appreciated that we got a, a glimpse into this book before it got released and that we could share it with you guys. Yes. And, and thanks again to Osprey publishing for sending it off to the snafu podcast. And rumor has it that they will be sending us an advanced copy of the next campaign book coming out sometime in February, March. Well, let's hope they don't listen to this before they do that. I mean, right. Yeah. We <laughs> might not get another one. Actually, I, I believe the gentleman does cause he's made a couple of comments in his emails that could only be made if he has listened to our podcast. Yeah, poor so. bastard. Oh, fair, fair. All right. Well, maybe, maybe English isn't his first language and that helps. <laughs> I don't might make us easier to listen to. I'm not sure. Uh, until we start butchering his his actual native tongue, well, and you might where, be offended. Where, uh, where's Asprey Publishing? Else. Aren't they in Spain somewhere? Are, I know I, they're over in Europe. Well, yes, Europe. I thought they were. I thought they were in the UK. I just, I guess, I just assumed they were in the UK are because they, that's where everything is. well, that's where all the other miniature games are. So I didn't. I didn't well, think. Well, again, to, you know, they focus more on historical publishings than they do games. Sure. Well, I mean, they're making a game book, though, so I assumed that they would... I mean, they they're have a connection with Warlord, so... Yeah, I got bored, so they're in England, United Kingdom. They're okay. they're actually in Oxford, England, yeah. or Oxford, United Kingdom, yep. I like how we all, all three of us looked it up. Yep. Well, I, I actually went and found their address. Division so. of Bloomsbury <laughs> Publishing. Bloomsbury Publishing, there you go, whoever they are. So maybe all his foreign language, maybe his first language isn't English, but... Everyone else's is. No, his first language is English, not American. Right, that's a good point. That maybe that is actually what it is. Is maybe we are speaking a bastardized English. Uh, maybe. Oh well, no, there's not a maybe in there. You're yeah. right. Yeah, I can't. I can't keep stuff straight half the time. So. All right, guys. Any closing thoughts? No. Again, like you said, thank you, Osprey. I don't. I, yes. I'm. I'll think Warlord too. I don't know how they play a role in the. How this works with Warlord, but yes, I, I don't know definitely. who would actually. I just thank Warlord for continuing to put out a great product. And by, yeah. the, by the way, make sure you, you, you actually try and uh, get a chance to vote for them for the uh, best tabletop strategy game uh, for 2017. Hell yeah. What is? Where would they find that? Uh, Beast of War. Beast of War. That? Yeah. What is it? Uh, Beast. Beast of War. Sorry. Beast of War. Okay. So yep. all right. Yeah, the Beast of War annual year-end voting thing. So that, yeah. They, they, they got I, like 14 categories of stuff. And for 2017, uh, whatever, Bolt Action version 2 is up for best role-playing game against some other games that I didn't care about. So it was a very easy vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, and then the one last thing I have for this is when will people be able to get this? I know that we had looked at that up before. I don't know if we actually mentioned it on uh, the air. We, we did mention it. According to the Osprey Publishing website, when I looked it up by title of the book, when I got it, it said November 30th. Okay. And I know pre-orders are up now and have been for at least a week as of the middle of October. We should also note, it looks like if you order it from Warlord, you get a pretty sweet miniature, too. Yeah. Yes, I remember seeing that. Miniature. That's all right. I'm over it. Yeah, you get a sniper, right? No, no. Traffic cop. Yep. Oh, it's the traffic cop. The Russian traffic cop, if I 
was looking back. Oh, that's right. It's not the. It's not who I thought it was. I believe she was uh, one of the famous traffic. Was that like one of them that Randy Moss hit? Could be. Wow, now there's a regional <laughs> joke for you. Jesus. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry for anyone that's not a uh, NFL. Not, not, in the, not the NFL little 10 years ago where Randy Moss came into uh, the Vikings. Good Caused God. some havoc locally. Pat, Pat, that was, he came into the. in uh, 98. Yeah. I'm old. Yeah, that's, well, that's almost we, 20 years, man. Yeah. All years. of our. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy when you actually say 98 was almost 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> So we went all the way through this episode, the, this second half of the third half of this third half of this episode, right? Uh, nice. Without with making some fun '80s references, and then we went to some weird Minnesota reference that nobody else knows about. We apologize; it's it's in our nature. Straight cash only. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Oh People like Randy Moss. Everyone liked him when he played. So. Oh, he was pretty man. talented. Well, I don't know if they liked <laughs> he him. He was talented. He was talented. He, he, they liked he, he watching him on the field. His highlights were fantastic. I don't think there's a whole lot of defenders that cared for him. I know that Green Bay did not care for him yeah. at all. Uh, I hear there were some caterers that did not appreciate him either. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so this woman is standing on, I don't even know what she's standing on. Legs? Oh. A box? <laughs> is it just a box? <laughs> she's just like on her soapbox? Flagging down traffic. Well, you want to be high enough the tank drivers see you and don't run you over. So. Sure, I suppose, yeah. You don't want to get run yeah. over by a tank. Look, man, that's like yeah. got to be the worst job in the Army. You're standing at a crossroads integrating friggin' tank traffic for all day long. Good guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought she was uh, either an artillery or an aircraft observer. Oh, well, in that case, she's. Why the hell does she have flags then? Jesus. Because they only use flags. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you're like if you're like a pilot, what do you got like buzz the battlefield and do like a barrel roll so you can see her and be like, oh, she's got the blue and red flag, or is it the red and blue? <laughs> Shit, who do I shoot? Well, if you look at the uh, the FBI, oh, she's a traffic FBI. director, dude. <laughs> According to Warlord, it's a traffic director named Maria <laughs> Limaskaya. Sorry if I, that's totally well, wrong. Well, now but. you offended Russia. Good job. Oh, uh, I'm in trouble now. Like, I don't know what to do about that. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. Right. I'll buy some vodka. Just apologize, right? Yeah. That's, that's all you got to do. I, I, I apologize by saying I butchered it, so sorry. Can't give it a shot. But they did. it is a traffic director. According Red to Army that. traffic well, That sounds like you gave her a promotion. Well, that's what they call it, as a traffic director. Yes. Yeah, she was stationed at Bradenburg Gate. After okay. Oh, no kidding, Berlin. dude. That's yeah. super cool, actually. Wow, that's like extra cool. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. No. So yeah. So early November, you can order it now. It's thirty bucks. It's actually not a. That was November thirtieth. No, it's thirty bucks though too. Oh, thirty okay. for thirty. Well, you said early November. And oh, sorry. You can order it now. Right. You can you can pre-order it on Warlord's website now. You just won't get but it. But it's not going to get released until later. Right. If you're asking, I think my opinion totally worth buying. I I would agree. I I have the Sea Lion book, and I was not as excited about that one as I like this one is by far my favorite so far. But that maybe is because I play Germans and we have a Soviet player. So well, well, this this book also kind of coincides with uh, what we had talked to John Russell about last episode. 
right? That was last episode we had him. That was last episode, Where correct. he had alluded to the, the Battle of Berlin box set being one of the possible holiday seasons, and we've kind of seen some snippets and leakings about that being true. Which also Yeah, unfortunately cool. that wasn't out before, but... That's all right. He didn't. He did Nostradamus it. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and technically, it's not. It's not out for pre-order right now. Anyway. No, true. It did get announced, though. Yes. Or I don't know if it got announced or if it got leaked. It I don't know. Leaked. But people have seen it. It got leaked because the only way yeah. I found it was having to translate a Spanish website. See. Yeah, it was kind of some weird random site, but it looks that that set looks awesome. Yeah, so. that does look really cool. Yeah. It does. It does make sense now that this book has come out that that is probably the likely candidate for their Christmas release. Yes, seems to make sense. Yep. And, and just to, just to, in case you didn't hear it here first, that uh, the next campaign book is alleged, alleged to be Operation Market Garden. <laughs> if that's true, I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm excited for anything they release. Frankly, so yeah. they they're they're doing. They seem to be hitting it right on the, or uh, doing a really good job of making new books. Dude, they so. are on a roll like a ball chasing Indiana Jones. It's great. Don't go to a knee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that'll wrap it up. I don't have anything else. Does anyone else have any? I was out of stuff 10 minutes ago. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like we've been kind of pulling it out. All right. Well, you guys have a good evening, and we will speak to you again in a few weeks. Someone do a thing. Do the thing. Do the thing. Someone do the thing. This is Operation Snafu. Over and out. This is an Operation Snafu. Damn it. Way to fuck it up, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Great. You just dropped that artillery strike on us, you asshole. Oh, you should have. I've done that before. How about this? A few times. This is Snafu. Over and out. Much better. Yeah, perfect. Good night, guys. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans When our victory is ultimately won It was just those nasty Nazis who persuaded them to fight And their Beethoven and Bach are really far worse than their bite Let's be meek to them and turn the other cheek to them And try to bring out their latent sense of fun Let's give them full air parity and treat the rats with charity But don't let's be beastly to the Huns We must be kind, and with an open mind, we must endeavor to find a way to let the Germans know that when the war is over, they are not the ones who have to pay. We must be sweet, and tactful, and discreet, and when they've suffered defeat, we mustn't let them feel upset or ever get the feeling that we're cross with them or hate them. Our future policy must be to reinstate them. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans when we've definitely got them on the run. Let us treat them very kindly, as we would a valued friend. We might send them out some bishops as a form of lease and lend. Let's be sweet to them and day by day repeat to them that sterilization simply isn't done. Let's help the dirty swine again to occupy the Rhine again, but don't let's be beastly to the Hun. We must be just and win their love and trust, and in addition we must be wise and ask the conquered lands to join our hands and to aid them. That would be a wonderful surprise. For many years, 
they've been in floods of tears because the poor little dears have been so wronged and only longed to cheat the world, deplete the world and beat the world to blazes. This is the moment when we ought to sing their praises. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans for you can't deprive a gangster of his gun. Though they've been a little naughty to the Czechs and Poles and Dutch, I don't suppose those countries really minded very much. Let's be free with them and share the BBC with them. We mustn't prevent them basking in the sun. Let's soften their defeat again and build their blasted fleet again. But don't let's be beastly to the Hun. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans when the age of peace and plenty has begun. We must send them steel and oil and coal and everything they need. For their peaceable intentions can be always guaranteed. Let's employ with them a sort of strength through joy with them. They're better than us at honest manly fun. Let's let them feel their swell again and bum us all to hell again. But don't let's be beastly to the Huns.